How you son? He made the team this year? He said he wasn't tall enough. It's my goal. Yeah, we gonna cook this son. This is family business And this is for the family that can't be with us And this is for my cousin locked down Oh, the answer's in us This is why I spit it in my song So sweet like a photo where your granny's pitching Now that you're gone, it hit us Super hard on Thanksgiving and Christmas This can't be right This is Real Talk with Ben Tompkins Presented by Four Roses Alright, here we go How you doing, baby? How you doing? Good to have you in This is Real Talk I am Ben Tompkins We are presented by Four Roses Bourbon And welcome to the New Year's special You know <laughs> This is uh, This is gonna be One of the realest rawest episodes, some of the realest talk that I've ever done, things that I'm going to open up about that I've never shared before publicly, and I think the number one thing that uh, I've been, um, you know, it's hard, it's hard, I, I, it's, you know, I, I sat down to try and do this on Monday, and I couldn't do it, you know, I, I just, I couldn't do it, but um, the show must go on, we got to continue, and I'm going to push forward, and the thing that I was struggling with and the thing that's been helping me a lot is we all have a story to tell, right? Things happen to us by other people, by other um, entities, organizations, teams, like whatever. Things happen to us. And, and, and those are our things. They happen to us, right? And we have a right to tell our story. You have a right to tell your story. And if someone ever tries to tell you that you don't, then they're full of shit and they're wrong and don't listen to that fucking person. But it's important to remember that you have a right to tell your own story. And from time to time, it might involve other people. And it's not about them. That's the thing. It's not about you. It's not about them. Okay? It's about me and my story and my experiences and my reality. And that's what I'm here to do. I'm here to talk about my realities, what they look like, um, how I deal with them, how they affect me, good ways and bad ways to overcome these things, okay? This is what I do. This is real talk. This is real shit, man. This is the stuff that I care about. Because here's the thing. If I don't do it, if I don't come on here and share this stuff and process it and work through it, because I promise you at the end of this, I'm going to feel so much fucking better. I swear to God, this is therapeutic for me and this will be therapeutic for other people. And you might not be able to connect with everything that I talk about, but for some of you, it's going to really hit deep, the stuff that you do connect with. And, and maybe you don't connect with it at all, but you might be dealing with other stuff in your life and your realities might look a little different than mine, but it's okay. And I hope that this encourages you to be able to open up with it to your wife or your husband or your brother or your sister or your mom or your dad or, or whoever, your best friend, or maybe it's your therapist or maybe it's your journal or maybe it's however you process these things as they happen in your life. And if you don't, then I encourage you to start because I promise you, like, how, how, how good am I to anybody if I'm not good for myself? How am I keeping it real by keeping the shit to myself? And if I ever hope to overcome this stuff and get to where I need to go, get to where I want to go, get to where I'm fucking destined to go, then I need to be able to process this stuff and talk about this stuff and get it out and get it out. 
and I think this was bugging me yesterday, and um, today I'm just like, you know what? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to rip. It didn't feel like last week was the time to get into some of these stories and hit on some of these topics because I felt so good after doing, you know, two hours of just straight just flow. It was just flowing last week on the Christmas special. And I didn't want to take it anywhere that was going to make me feel differently than I had just felt. You know, I was like, you know what? I started to get into this stuff, but at that point I was bumping up against two hours and I'm like, guys, I feel really good and I don't want to ruin that. So let's just feel good about this this week. And we're going to kind of have to get our shit together in order to come on this week and, and share this new year's special. Um, but I'm ready. I'm ready. And I feel really good. And I know at the end of this, as scared as I might be to, to share some of these stories and talk about some of this stuff and, 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 and just open myself up to anything that might come from this, people might be mad. You know, I, I, people might not like me. Uh, I mean, it, it, this, and, and, and you know what? Like a lot of people that might not like me from, from what I share probably already don't. So I don't fucking care. Um, there are some, some, some people that might, uh, you know, wish that I, I, I hadn't shared this, but I just hope if, if you're one of those people that you realize that you realize this isn't about you, I'm not trying to put you down. This is about me. And this is my story, and I have a right to tell it, and that's what I'm going to fucking do, because I keep it real, and this is real talk, and that's what we're about. And here's the other thing, is like, I share this stuff with my writers. You know, I'm not shy about this stuff. People think, oh, you know, are, are you embarrassed at all? Are you shy to say it? No, I don't fucking care, because like, why? I don't, why? like, your judgment means nothing to me. Like, yeah, I want to be liked, right? I want to be, I, you know, I want to be loved, right? But if you don't, if you don't fuck with me, I don't fucking care. Like, I really don't. I, I, like, I, I could give a shit less. And you know what's beautiful is that I say that stuff, and I think when you guys hear uh, the, 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 the stuff that I'm going to go into, you're going to realize why I am the way that I am. Well, I'm going to go through some really defining, life-shaping moments that have blown into these big overarching themes that I use in my life and that I encourage others to use in their lives because I'm speaking from a place of experience. And when I tell somebody to move on and drop that person or let them walk, now you're going to understand why. Because these are, these are things that I've had to do and that I continue to have to do. <laughs> and that I will probably continue to have to do after this, okay? But that's where we're at. And you know what? It's not helping me by keeping this shit bottled up. And it's not helping anybody else if I don't share it. And and the reason that I was saying that I, I share this stuff with my writers because it is helpful and because I can relate to them. And although it might be different circumstances, I I, I can say, hey, I know how you feel. You know, I've been there. I've had to overcome that as well. I've had to deal with this in my life as well. And the whole point of that is just to let people know, hey, you're not alone, okay? You're not alone. <laughs> Even though you feel alone, you feel isolated from the world, you feel like nobody's going to understand your circumstances, people deal with a lot of the same things. It looks differently. I'm not trying to minimize anybody's struggles or story. But we all deal with some central themes. And so here's how those have manifested themselves in my past, in my decision making, how they play into the temptations that I'm faced with, 
some of the decisions that I continue to have to make, and they're good. They're good decisions, but it's 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 the decisions that I'm not making that are still there, that are still there every day in my life, you know, and that still play a role in all the fun things that go up inside my brain. And I just hope that, um, you know, my whole thing is just, look, like, I never want anybody to feel as shitty as I have felt. And I never want anybody to feel like that they're not good enough, that you're not good enough because you are. And I never want anybody to feel like they're too fucked up. There's too much of a problem, you know, because... Yeah, we all have our shit, okay? I've got a lot of it, okay? I've got a lot of it. I will absolutely own that. But the thing is, don't ever let somebody convince you that you're too much because they they just can't deal with you. And really, that's because they can't deal with them. They can't deal with with their own self and so that they, they can't possibly be able to accommodate you and 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 help you with your stuff because they haven't helped they haven't first helped themselves that's real that's real and don't ever let anybody convince you that you being yourself isn't enough isn't good enough you know it's like one of those really empty feelings that I've dealt with all my life I'm just like am I not good enough for you like why am I not good enough for you that's haunting that's that will that that feeling alone that sentence alone why am i not good enough for you has driven me to alcohol use drug use risky sex it's it's driven me to some really dark places never suicide attempts but but <laughs> very close looking right over the edge of the golden gate bridge thinking is this my time have i had enough am i ready to get off this ride not yet not yet, goddammit. And the people that put me to that spot that want to see me jump, that would mean that they've won. And fuck that. <laughs> fuck that. Because they didn't. And I'm going to win. And that's how it's going to be. Because I'm going to use all this stuff and I'm going to let it power me. These are my strength. These aren't my weaknesses. You know? Vulnerability, that's a strength, not a weakness. Certainly there's times that you don't want to be seen as vulnerable or weak because people think they can get over on you. And (laughs) if you underestimate that person, that's on you. Whatever happens next, whatever comes down the pipe, that's on you. Don't assume. Don't underestimate the underdog, the fighter, because that's what I am. And... Yeah, I've had to fight my ass off to be here, to be sitting in this chair, speaking in this microphone, looking at this screen, in this studio that I built with my bare hands this year. I, I, 2020 and we came to fuck it up. Yeah, I'm a pop star. I'm a captain, goddammit. And so that's why I share these things, because I'm strong enough. I can stand here and deliver and take whatever's going to come. I can take the heat. I love it. I, that's the thing, man. I'm a fucking sicko. I'm a savage. I love the pain. So bring it on. You know what I mean?
And a lot of times that's driven me as well. These feelings of, of why am I not good enough? You know what? That's the best thing that I could have ever had in life is because that's what's going to, when I get to 50 years old and I look back on my life and hopefully it's gone the way that I want it to go and that I, I envision for myself, I get to that point and I look back and I think I needed all of that shit to happen. It had to happen that way. It did. It sucks. It sucks when you're going through it. You wish it could be easier. But nothing that you reach for in life and attain easily is worth it. It has to be hard. People have to want to tell you, you suck, give up, quit, kill yourself, fuck you. That shit, you have to use it as just juice, baby. Fucking juice. Okay? And that's what we're doing. So I feel emboldened. I feel good. And a lot of the times, you know, when people have doubted me or counted me out and I have felt like I'm not good enough, something that I've dealt with since childhood until adolescence, until college, until now, that's the best thing I could ever possibly have happen to me is because those also drive me to, to some really great places, some really great accomplishments, and, it, and it's good and bad, you know? It's like anything in life. It, it, it can be the best thing. It can be the worst thing. It's like the old Charles Dickens saying, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. That was written in like the 1800. That shit still slabs, G. I swear to God, all right? It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. That's life, man. That's the yin and yang. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, I, I wish that certain things wouldn't have happened the way that they did and shit didn't pop off the way that it did. Because it led me and has led me and has the potential to lead me. Like, I'm not fixed. I'm not a cure-all. Like, I'm going to have to continue to do a lot of work and introspection and really hard conversations with myself. Some real talk. Some real fucking talk. Moving forward in my life. Okay? But those things that have taken me to those dark places have also propelled me to some really great places. And I know that when I channel that and I use that and I keep, I have this perspective and this mindset and I'm this fucking just absolutely determined, determined. That's the word. Absolutely determined to make it there. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And only I have the energy to do it. No one else is going to do it for me. I've got to do it, you know. It's going to be hard, but it's going to be worth it. And people are going to fall off. And that's just, I've, I've had to prioritize. You know, I had somebody hit me up the other day like, oh, you don't mess with us anymore? It's like, okay. <laughs> it's like, you don't deserve a response, first of all, okay? So I didn't go there and, and get into it. But it's just like, come on. You're, you're saying this now, months and months and months later, when you don't mess with me. Like, when's the last time you reached out? Relationships can't be 100% just, that. it's, it's so listen, the, the best thing that I can, um, the best perspective that I've ever heard on relationships is that everybody wants to think that relationships are 50-50, that's bullshit. Relationships, most of the time, are 60-40, or 70-30 sometimes, or 35 65, all right, whatever. Um, 
there's going to be give and take. There's going to be times where you're willing to give more and the other person is okay with that. And there's going to be times where you need to take more. You need more. You need to be the one that talks this time. You need to be the one that 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 has the night where your friends come and they're like, hey, we just want to get you away from this. We know you've been having a tough time at work or in, in your marriage or, or, or with the kids or fucking whatever, man. But you have to have that kind of a balance, right? But when relationships are... You're the one feeling like you're reaching out constantly. You're the one that's always texting, hey, let's do this. Hey, I don't want to do this, but let's let's do this instead. And like, let's like hit me up. If they never hit you up, well, then whose fault is that if I move on and leave the things that the way that they are? And then you want to come back later and say, oh, you don't mess with us anymore. It's like, okay, fine, whatever. Everybody has an opinion, you know what I mean? But and and everybody's entitled to opinion, but that doesn't mean I have to give a shit about it. Okay? That's real talk. So I, I want to I want to kind of just like here's what we're gonna do. Here's what we're gonna do, okay? Let me set this all up. This week we're obviously doing the New Year's special, and this episode is going to go into a lot of shit, a lot of shit, okay? A lot of shit that I need to be able to go through. I'm really proud of myself, and I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm patting myself on the back today, and I'm celebrating because I, I, I got myself out of a potentially tempting situation, um, and I'm improving, and it's reflecting in the decisions that I'm making, and I feel really good about that, so I'm going to share some of that. I'll go into uh, how my Christmas day was. Um, I have some Christmas stories. Now, this is th- these are going to be pretty good for for some of you, okay? That that love the stories and love some of the more savage stuff. Um, I have one Christmas story that is is extremely real and raw and revealing, and and it is what it is. It happened. I don't feel any type of way about it anymore. I've worked through it. And we're going to spend some time going through that. Um, But then there's three other Christmas stories that are just absolutely savage, um, but with like kind of big picture takeaways. And obviously, if I'm going to talk about them, there's there's a reason for it. Okay. Um, I've got some New Year's stories, a couple of New Year's stories, but really just once I get to the New Year's part of this. It's 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 really just more of a time to reflect, to look back on where we were a year ago, to look back on where we were two years ago, five years ago, um, and look ahead. So, the back end of this will be some of the goals that I set for 2021, and I hope that after listening to this, you will set some goals if you already aren't somebody that sets goals for yourself, but even if you've never done it before, you know, you always you always hear people talk about, oh, you know, setting goals is so important, and it is because it gives you something to work towards, and it's it, if, you, if you do it the right way and they're measurable, then you have something to, um, to, to measure your work and your output and like hold you accountable to, so I think that is really important. And there's times when I haven't give a shit about my life and I've set no goals. And there's times where I really care about my life, which is where we're at this year. And that's why I'm setting goals because I plan on being here. That's a big change for me. You know what I mean? Now that I'm happy again, I stole my happiness back. Um, I plan on being here. So I want to plan ahead for the future. That's big. That's huge. 
That's huge. And and that alone should 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 merit a pat on the back, okay? I'm giving it right now. I'm giving myself a hug. I love myself. I hope you love yourself. If you don't, it makes for some really fucking tough days and weeks and months and I just I I wish that for you. You know what I mean? I wish that you I I, I wish that you will be able to confront the things that hold you back in life or the reasons that you're you've convinced yourself that that uh, you're being held back in life, you know, because until you emancipate yourself, until you emancipate yourself, you'll you'll never be free. You'll always be a slave to the bullshit, to your own bullshit, to other people's bullshit. And a long time ago, once upon a time, a long time ago, a young kid named Benny T emancipated himself. And I tell you what, when I was in Dublin, Ireland, after my senior year of college, completing my last six hours over there, me and nine women. Do I have some great stories? Yes, I fucking do. But I would run to this gym that I signed up for. I did a month membership at this Irish gym because I, you know, gain, train, baby, never stops, never slows down. So I would jog about a mile to the gym, work out, and every day when I would come back from the gym, I would pass this street art sign that was really colorful and says emancipate yourself and it's the header that I have on Twitter um, it is one of the my favorite pictures that I've ever taken and that really just struck me so at a time where I was really searching for these big picture answers for myself what I was gonna do what was next for me I would walk past this sign every day and that was a life-changing thing for me emancipate yourself you have the power to do it and if you don't believe that, then somebody or something has convinced you otherwise. And you need to steal that shit back because you deserve that. Okay? You deserve that. That's real talk. So that's, that's where I'm at. Um, that's where I'm at. So we're going to have uh, some goal setting. And uh, I'll share some of my goals. And that way, when I get later on into the year and I share some of the stuff, it's like, for those of you that have been listening to this for a while, and for those of you that listen to this episode, and for those of you who are brand new, how you doing? What's popping? And you guys are, I hope, will will begin to join us week in and week out on Wednesdays for these. And I hope that, you know, this will be one of those kind of like line in the sand moments. Like, I'm going to look back and be like, Wow, that was that was a lot. That was a lot. But I'm so glad that I did it because I'm doing it for the right reasons and and this is me and my story. And I'm not going to be ashamed of it. I'm not going to be embarrassed by it. If you think differently of me, so be it. You know, I'm not going to lose any fucking sleep over it, man. And 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 this isn't for you. That's this this stuff isn't for you. I'm not for you and that's okay. That's okay. But for the people that do fuck with me, you listening right now, and for the people that I meet and that are like, that's a cool dude. That's a real ass G right there. I'm like, fuck yeah, man. I am. I am. And those people ride with me. Y'all ride with me. And I appreciate that. And I can't tell you how much that means to me because this isn't just a show about sports. This isn't just a show about movies or makeup or any of these trivial things. Like, cars, you know, whatever. This is about fixing yourself. <laughs> this is about taking ownership of your fucking life back, man. Emancipating yourself. And I'm going to go into why that is such a big deal for me. But I want to uh, 
just kind of just kind of like take a step back before we get into all that stuff and just remind myself that this is this is for me okay absolutely it's for me but this is also for you if you listen to the show and you find it helpful and useful and you can relate to this stuff you might not relate with everything but you know you probably have things in your life that that need to be examined and and talked about and processed so that you feel better so that it doesn't continue to haunt you and your decisions and your relationships and your jobs and your whatever. You know what I mean? Like, so that's what this is about. And um, I've always felt like me coming on and being real and sharing this stuff is helpful to, to, to you and to those people. Absolutely it is. And you know what the great thing is? I don't have to wonder about it, you know? I don't have to just sit here, do these podcast episodes and be like, hmm... I wonder if that did reach somebody. I wonder if that made an impact. I wonder if somebody's thinking about their life now through this perspective and going, you know, wow, I, I listened to this dude talk about his life and it's not great. Let me tell you, you know, there's some parts that are fucked up, okay? Yeah, there are. There's some, there's some pretty great parts. There's some pretty shitty parts. But like, now I'm thinking about myself. Now I'm thinking about my life. Maybe I should, if I can just get you thinking, if I can just get you to that point, I promise that's 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 worth it to me. And I don't have to I don't have to sit here and like wonder if that's happening. <laughs> because the great thing is when I drive for Uber and I have these people in my car riding with me, fucking riding with me. Like not just like physically, oh, I'm riding in the car. Like they ride with me. All right. They got my back and I got theirs. And I have instant feedback from them. You know, that's that's how you know it's real. That's how I know it's real. Is because the same stuff that I'm sharing with them, I come on here and talk about. And I give myself to, I, 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 give, I give everything I got to these people. And I give everything I got to this podcast. And I give everything I got for the love of the fucking game, okay? That's what it's all about. And I feel like um, back when I did for the love of the game, I, I, I came on like the next week and said, you know, I really felt like, or maybe I said this to my girlfriend, I can't remember. But I said, uh, you know, look, I've I've been feeling really good about the content and and the episodes and the rides and the relationships and all the things that I'm manifesting. I feel really good about that. But when I did for the love of the game, I felt like I took things even a, a, a level deeper. I feel like that was a breakthrough moment for me. And I feel like this is going to continue to be another breakthrough moment for me. It will. I know it will. And... um it's great. It's great that I found that thing where I, I'm like, man, I, I'm, I'm thinking things are going pretty good. And then something else happens and it's like, oh shit, I'm getting better still. I got new shit. I'm getting better still. Yeah. Old Drake lyric. Oh geez, no. All right. So I just want to, I just want to like let you guys know the car is in the shop. All right. I hope to get it back by the end of the week. It really set itself up that I got like this beautiful time off that it was almost like supposed to happen this way where I wasn't driving and I had extra time to process this and check in with myself and 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 make sure that I was making the right decisions. Um, and now that I've been able to do the Christmas special, I'm doing this New Year's special next week on the 6th, Wednesday the 6th, we'll have Uber Stories Part 21. I'm hoping that the car, I will get it back by the end of this week. 
I told my guy Corey over at Oxmoor Hyundai that if you can get me my car by the end of the week, when he was like, uh, we, we, we might, it might be next Monday. I'm like, dude, if you can get me my car by the end of the week, then I'll give you a bottle of Four Roses single barrel. And, uh, I mean, listen, I, who wouldn't want one of those, okay? I, I gave my girlfriend's parents a bottle of that for Christmas. I mean, I, I think if you ever took my advice every once in a while and gave that to somebody special that you love, they're going to be like, damn, this boy does not play around. Oh, this girl, you know, whoever you are, right? But, uh, yeah, t- I, that's what I said. I'm like, hey, man, um, because originally it was only supposed to be in the shop for a day. It was like we had to order this part. It took longer to get here because of the holidays, because of the shipping fucking fiascos that you know FedEx and UPS and all these places are dealing with. And then people are in and out of the office. Their people are burning their PTO. And originally, I was told, "Hey, we're gonna do this in a day. You leave it here. We'll get it back to you. It will work on it all day." I'm like, "Great." But then I drop it off uh, uh, this past Monday, and it's like, hey, actually, we're, we're, we're going to hope to get it uh, a week from today. Not today, okay? But you know what? They were kind enough to give me a brand new Hyundai Sonata. It's a 2021. They literally drove it off the lot. They had to put paper tags on it, okay? And this thing's pretty fucking sweet. I mean, it literally had like 10 miles when I got it. So I'm driving this brand new car, breaking her in. She's in good hands. And it's actually sick. Like, it's sick. It, it's, it's, <laughs> this shit is really cool. So um, I'm really appreciative of that. So thank you to Oxmoor Hyundai for getting me back on road. I'm hoping that I'll get it back by the end of the week. That'll give me, I'll do a Sunday service probably, more than likely, um, if I have it back by Friday, then I'll be able to do like a Friday night, get some stories, do Sunday service, get some stories, drive all day on next Monday, get some stories, and then that way, Tuesday, content day, I've got material, probably going to be a lot of people talking about their holidays, and and we're going to talk, like that's the thing, it's like this episode is going to set up, these last two episodes are going to set up conversations that I'm having with people, because when I ask people, hey, how was your holidays, how was your Christmas, how was New Year's, what'd you do, you know, it's either going to go like one of two ways, one, people are going to be like, oh, it was great, I had such a great time with my family, and everybody was happy, or it's going to go the other way, oh man, well, first of all, the house burned down, well, my 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 sister came into town and she was a fucking train wreck or you know this happened with my family or like man my mom had to go to the hospital like it's going to take it a million different places when that happens okay so the, this is going to set up the next couple of weeks but I'm hoping I'll have a couple days. We'll get Uber Stories Part 21 Wednesday the 6th. It'll be the first episode of the brand new year. I cannot wait. I hope everybody is finishing this year strong. Slam the fucking door on this year. And then let's carry that momentum into next year. So that's what I'm doing, okay? Um, one more quick thing before I kind of go into everything. <laughs> 30 minutes in, you know? Like, what can I say? I'm long-winded. I'm long-winded, all right? Uh... Um, one of the goals that I have been setting for myself are weight loss goals. When I began this show in kind, um, beginning of June, June 3rd, allow me to reintroduce myself comes out. And June 1st, the gyms opened back up. So I got back into LAC and over the last, it's been seven months now um, as we sit here in, at, at the beginning of the new year 
and I have I am down another five pounds in the last four weeks. Um, at least I was last Saturday. I'm gonna drop this on Wednesday, and so I'll have the rest of this week, and then it'll technically be the second of January when I do this next official weigh-in. But this is gonna be a month from you know my six months weigh-in, and obviously the math on however many months since my three month weigh-in. Okay, and uh, in that time, at least just from where I was last Saturday. I'm at 219 on the scale, which is a loss of almost 45 pounds. Fucking crazy, right? But I've been going crazy. I've been going dumb ham in the gym. And I'm not afraid to sound like a meathead or sound like I'm bragging because you know what? I should brag. I Fuck yeah, I should be braggadocious. You know what I mean? I earned that right. I earned that right. I've been in there six days a week eating the same shit for lunch, grinding. And now that I'm here... Man, the I, I just keep thinking of that video of uh, that kid named Apollo, um, the uh, the high school football player that gave the motivational speech to the local newswoman, right? And he's like, hey, they had us in the first half, not going to lie, you know? And they did. 2020 had me in the first half, had me in some dark places, had me down and out. And my haters, my doubters, they wanted to see that. But the last seven months of this year, from June to now, have been mine have been absolutely mine, and I've been rocking it, and if you just look, 45 pounds, dude, that's a plate, like, imagine carrying around a plate on your back, and uh, it's just like, when I think about it like that, it's just like, damn, dude, that's, that's great, and, and it's great because now I'm like, I'm trying on old clothes that I haven't been able to try on, and I haven't even bothered to unfold or wash or anything in, like, over two years. Like, I'm at a two-year low right now. I'm at a two-year low right now. It's been a long journey. It's been a long journey. But holy shit, I am so glad that I'm, 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 I'm actually doing all the things that I said I wanted to do. I'm being real. I'm being real with myself. So let's keep it going, baby. Let's keep it going, okay? Now, I, I, I want to talk about uh, my Christmas day um, because I really did have a great Christmas day. I really did. Um, I felt good coming into this weekend. I felt good about just where things are at, obviously with you know looking better, looking more confident. Um, I thought it would be really important for me to keep the same schedule, so I still got up, um, worked out Christmas Eve, um, did my own thing on Christmas Day because the gyms were closed, but still got up at seven and and you know just started the day like it was just another day because I didn't want to I don't I didn't want to fall out of step you know like I didn't want to fall out of stride and so um, the weekend was the same thing you know I didn't overeat I didn't drink too much I made really good decisions and I felt really good the entire. Uh, holidays, which isn't something that I'm used to, because I've said before, the holidays can be a really difficult time for people, and um, you wouldn't think that they would be, but but sometimes like they they can they can either be a um, you know a, a harmful reminder or or a beautiful reminder, uh, and and if you're not at peace with yourself, then those triggers those feelings might overcome you. And you might act in a, in a way that uh, is unbecoming of yourself or that you usually wouldn't. You know what I mean? So I was, I dominated it. I, I dominated this Christmas and I'm really happy about that. And um, 
It was an awesome Christmas. I mean, it really was. Christmas Eve, we went and had dinner at Joy Luck. Um, when my grandparents, in a normal year, my grandparents who now live in uh, Florida would come up and we would do, uh, you know, some Chinese food on Christmas Eve, like a Christmas story. My grandpa loves Ralphie and Randy, and I love them too, you know? Uh, so we would usually do Chinese on Christmas food the last couple Christmases because we've been here in the city. Um, a, a lot of times we're, we're skiing out in Deer Valley, Utah. Uh, it's a private resort up in um, a little bit north of Park City. Um, Park City is kind of like you, you drive down into Park City, and then if you go up a little bit, then Deer Valley Club is up there at the top of the mountains. Beautiful. Um, met Johnny Damon there actually last year at this time. It was kind of funny. Uh, but usually we're traveling, and then once my grandparents you know, uh, moved down to Florida, then we were kind of staying here because they would always come back for Christmas. And so we would do Chinese food on Christmas Eve, and it's become kind of this little tradition for us. But this year, my grandparents didn't come up. They stayed down in Florida. Um, and so we went as a family, um, my brother and my sister and I and my mom and my stepdad. And I have two stepbrothers on, you know, from from my stepdad, his sons. Um, they weren't there with us at that meal, but they would join us the next day for Christmas. Uh, but we went to Joy Luck. It was amazing. My 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 buddy Max was like, "Yo, you got to try the Beijing duck. It's fire." And I was like, "All right, bet, bet, bet." So I literally got the Beijing duck and I got orange chicken. I fasted for this meal basically and 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 went stupid ham. And I shared the Beijing duck and they had it like it was almost like a little taco almost. They had it on this like soft shell uh like doughy kind of thing and then the duck was on top of it and you just picked it up and I ate it like a little mini taco it was fucking dank I'm telling you what go get the Beijing duck at Joy Luck uh but that was Christmas Eve and then Christmas morning you know I got up I worked out I ate brunch I was feeling really good um my mom my mom is incredible and she is just, will do anything for anybody. She will go above and beyond. And to outsiders, it might seem like, damn, they are so extra. But you know what? You might think that. But, but to us and to my mom, she just wants to give us the best possible experience. And so she will go and exhaust herself in order to go and and just like absolutely over the top with any kind of thing, and she takes it upon herself to do that. I and the thing that I said to her th- that morning, you know, because I know I knew how much she was going to be preparing stuff, hors d'oeuvres at a certain time, dinner at a certain time, the brunch at a certain time, getting all these things ready to go. And I just told her that morning, listen, I know that you like to give us the perfect day, but I just want you to. I just want you to remember that it doesn't have to be perfect, that we accept you and we're going to accept this day and I'm I'm grateful we all are and just don't worry about being perfect. Like not you don't have to do everything in order to to like not everything has to go right, you know? And I think I get so worked up dealing with that sometimes where and I and, and it's no wonder where I get it. It's because 
you know, if people come into town and certain things don't go the way I want them to and we're not able to do things, like, that can really bum me out. Like, one time this summer, I had friends come over and it was under the premise that we were going to throw the football around and then guys got there and they and no one wanted to throw the football. And I was really bummed out about it. And I just, that takes me a minute to get over. I have to mentally pivot and... That's something that my girlfriend and I have worked on as, as uh, you know, we've gotten into these things about expectations. We all have these ideas of how a night's going to go or how Christmas Day is going to go. And if it doesn't go that way, then that can be tough to pivot and it can be tough to get over because you were looking forward to something and you had these expectations and then they're not met. And then you're like, fuck, right? But, but it's okay. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. We're going to have a great time. Not everything has to be perfect. And I said a shortened version to that on my mom, and she she teared up, you know? And 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 I I think that uh I hope she took it to heart, you know what I mean? Um but dude, <laughs> all right, so let's get into it. The brunch that she made was so fucking good. She had gone and got these pans of Chick-fil-A chicken, and I love chicken and waffles. I know a lot of people aren't really on the chicken and waffles thing, but god damn they hit. And she got the Belgian, I mean, we have a Belgian waffle maker, and she laid out this big bar with all kinds of toppings. You had a Belgian waffle bar, and you had Chick-fil-A chicken and to put on the waffles, and just the chicken and the syrup and the waffle, oh my fucking God, me and more, it's just amazing, all right? And so that was brunch, and then she had like, uh, she always does these egg bakes, which, uh, you know, I, I, I love, uh, they're really good, it's like bacon and some peppers and some onions, not a big fan of the peppers, but you know what, whatever, um, cheese, and, and you know, it comes out of the oven, and it's just delicious, and then, <laughs> on top of all that, handmade cinnamon rolls, it was fucking dank, guys, I'm telling, oh my god, it was so good, it was so good, and so, eat this big brunch, and then just kind of hung out, Um, my girlfriend Maddie came over, and this is the first time that I've spent, like, I had a girlfriend in college for, uh, for, uh, you know, over a holiday break, but I don't think that we spent the holidays with each other. She lived in up in uh, a suburb of Chicago, and uh, obviously I live here. So we didn't really do the holidays thing together. I think I may have done things. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember. I can't recall. So uh, this was like the first time that I, you know, that I brought a girl home to for the Christmas. It was, and it was amazing. It was amazing. So, um, and I don't think that I could have gotten through that day without her, to be honest. Um, and without starting the day with her, starting the place, starting the day from from such a great place, such a comfortable place, because she's, I told her this, uh, you know, we were talking about this 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 last week. I, I was like, Maddie, you're my best friend. Like you, you are my best friend, and I love you so fucking much. And I'm just so grateful that this year, for as many shitty things as it's brought upon upon me, upon everybody. Um, this year was also one of the greatest in my life because it brought Maddie into my life, and I love that girl to death. That's my motherfucking foe. That, that, that's that is that's my boo. That's my boo. That's my boo. All right. So she came over. We did gifts. We did an exchange. Um, I really listen now. This is okay. Like the extra stuff. It's like I I I, I get it. I get it. I can be easy to hate or resent sometimes. I know that there's some petty ass haters out there like. Fuck 
this dude, all right? And I get it, and I get it. But you know what? This is my reality. I got everything I wanted for Christmas. I real like I really did. Um, I asked for a Theragun, and I got that, and I've been using it. It's amazing. Oh, my fucking God. I tell you what. I use this thing to warm up because I'm a big foam roll guy. I have chronic tension, obviously, from driving um, so many hours of the week and sitting in the studio chair. You know, my body is in weird spots. Um, my hip flexors on my right side especially always sore. My ankle on my right side going from the gas pedal to the brake constantly is always sore. My uh, shoulders where where they kind of meet at the top of you know my frame and then come down like in- inside the bicep and inside of that shoulder uh, get really sore sometimes because I'm driving and my, you know I'm, 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 I'm like hunched up with like shrugging the whole time you know what I mean so like the one thing that I really wanted for Christmas was the Theragun because I spend about 30 to 45 minutes doing PT exercises and foam rolling before I I do anything any kind of physical activity lifting running CrossFit basketball football doesn't matter So I was like, what could I possibly want that would help me with that? And the Theragun, it, uh, you see pro athletes use it a lot. It uses percussive wave therapy to break up tension and get blood flow into your muscles. And I use it to warm up. I, I just run it kind of all over my body in these, in these chronic places and I'm getting my body loose still. I'm, I feel loose, but I'm still getting loose. And, uh, then after the workouts, you know, to cool down, I'll use it for recovery, you know, and I'll, I, I've been killing it this week. Uh, usually, you know, my chest is, is like, you know, and my shoulders kind of keep me sometimes from going heavy on bench press. And it's just, uh, I don't know, my body like, um, like kind of overcompensates on one side a little bit. So I feel myself, my form isn't always good, but dude, using this thing, like within already just a couple of days, like I'm I'm able to do a lot more and I feel great the next day. I feel like I haven't even worked out sometimes until the next day when when there is some like natural soreness, but then I've got this tool to, to, to like help with it. It's amazing. It's amazing. So and I literally finished first in the class uh, on this last CrossFit Saturday because I had this thing. I got there early. I stretched out. I used the Theragun. And it's seriously amazing. It's aggressive. It is aggressive. It does fucking hurt. It's like it hurts so good. You know what I mean? It's it will absolutely be painful in in certain areas, uh, but that's the only way that you're going to be able to 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 work through it. It's like it might hurt, you know, but then you'll you'll feel better afterwards. That's what this is about. That's literally this episode. Okay, that's that's what this is about. Um, but the Theragun, yeah, it it's expensive. Yeah, yeah, it's expensive. Um, but it was the only thing that I wanted and it was the only thing that I asked for. Now I got other things. Okay. But like, this was my number one thing and I'll do this. Like I strategically ask for just one thing. It's like, Hey, in, in November after Thanksgiving, you know, my mom will send us this text like, Hey, send me some ideas for Christmas. I, I've gotten into the habit of just like, I'll think about the one thing that I want and I'll send it. And then you know, it's like I'm pretty much guaranteed to get that one thing because I didn't ask for anything else. I don't want a combination of like three smaller things. I want the one thing that I want. And I got that. So that's awesome. And I'm just like, I'm loving this thing. And every like 
<laughs> you know what was really hard? You know what was really hard? Was getting this thing and then watching like, you know, my stepbrothers and my brother and my sister and everybody be like, oh, let me see it. Let me see it. I, I want to turn. And I got to use it for like a minute and then had to watch for like 20 minutes as everybody took their turn with my toy. <laughs> I was like, God damn it, you know, but I, I played it cool because obviously I'm not a four-year-old, but you know what I mean? It was like, I felt like a four-year-old watching everybody play with my toy and being like, God, come on, guys, give, give it back, you know? like, <laughs> Oh my God. So yeah, that was great. That was my one big gift um, from my family. Um, then, you know, the other the other really great gift that I got, my girlfriend and I, um, she got me a vinyl record player, which I've been collecting vinyl records over the last couple of years, and I, I probably have like 12 at this point, but I was buying them without anything to play them on. Uh, actually, I, I have half my collection out at uh, the Steinfelds, because Brad Steinfeld has the most incredible setup, speakers, vinyl record player. I mean, it's like a car. It's like people spend like, you know, uh, insane amounts of money on like a steering wheel and on rims and on an exhaust pipe and all this different stuff. You can do the same thing with a vinyl record player. And he has the most incredible setup. He's got these comfy chairs. He'll fill my glass with bourbon. And every once in a while and not COVID year, I'll go over there and chop it up and listen to some great music. And he, he'll he loves uh, playing, you know, some of the music, uh, uh, Guthrie something. I can't remember the, the, the name of the, but, but anyways, like I needed a vinyl record player and my girlfriend got it for me. And now I've got a vinyl record player, um, and, uh, it's in the studio and I can't wait to, I, I still haven't got it set it up yet. Um, I've just been, you know, I, <laughs> reading directions and taking my time and, and doing things the right way is sometimes a challenge for me. You know, I have ADHD. What can I say? But, um, no, it's awesome. It's awesome. And so, um, I got her, you know, some Lulu leggings. I got her some new workout, some Nike shoes. Um, I did the most, my, my girlfriend Maddie is the sweetest, most caring, loving, thoughtful person that I have ever met. And um, I thought, what could I give her that that would be something that she would give to somebody else? What's the most thoughtful, caring thing I could possibly give to her that she would give herself as a gift? And I and thinking through the prism of that, I came up with this really great idea. And I I swear to God, I didn't see this on Instagram. I didn't see this on Twitter. This was a completely original idea that I had. And it was to write down 365 reasons I love you, things that I love doing with you, reasons that I love you, just everything, your laugh, your smile. Um, I sat there and wrote out 365 and cut paper into thirds. And I filled this jar with those and wrapped a little red ribbon on it. And I, I did some extra ones so that she could, the day after Christmas, you know, open, you know, open the jar, pick one out, read it. And they're like little fortune cookies, like little I love you fortune cookies. You know what I mean? And she's going to be able to go to that every single day. You know, she'll get up and she'll read one. And, and that's the thing for the day. And uh, I'm proud of myself. I think that's fucking G right there. You know what I mean? Like, that's some real ass shit right there. And uh, she cried. Of course she cried, um, you know, because it was sweet. And, and um, you know, I, I got her a couple other things, but like those were those were kind of the big things. But um, 
that was a really good exchange. I got the vinyl record player from her. Um, I got money, you know. I got like 500 bucks in my stocking. Um, my brother gave me this Derek Jeter plaque, and it's kind of from his Hall of Fame introduction. Like, it lists all of his uh, accomplishments, and it's really cool. It's really cool. Um, my mom got me some branding for the show, so I got a mug uh, with my logo on it, shout out to Low Lot, my girl, uh, and then she made this, it's like a tile, and it came with these little magnetic strips, and I could put it anywhere, um, but I actually put it right behind me, where I'm sitting right now, I have this, um, you know what, Th this next week, I'm gonna do a video where I kinda like show you guys the studio, and maybe you've seen the pictures I've taken and put out there, um, but there's like these shelves that I keep right behind me, and now I, 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 you know, attached one of the magnetic sides um, and put this tile up so it's my logo and it sits like right over my right shoulder. So now when I do Zoom interviews with people, not only are they able to see the setup and the stuff that I got behind me and they always think that's really cool. Now, as if I'm not selling them on, on like the, the legitimacy of this, now I have this show logo that sits right behind me that you can totally see and on Zoom and uh, it's really cool. It's really cool. So, and I got other stuff, you know, I, 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 I got other stuff. I, uh, you know, candy in the stocking. Um, my girlfriend's parents and family gave me um, a couple Dick Sporting Goods gift cards, and I already bought a new pair of shoes that uh, you know I'll use to walk around in. I got gym shoes and running shoes, and I got walking around shoes. Some walking around money, you know. Um, so that went to good use. Um, you know, her her cousin Sarah, who I went on the Sedona trip with. Uh, got me some stickers and actually uploaded the show logo onto Redbubble. And so now what I'm going to do, which is beautiful, and, I, and I'm that was awesome. And so what I'm going to do now is now that I have, you know, my friend Lauren made me this awesome logo. I've got it on my business cards. I've, I'm starting to get some branded stuff. Eventually, I'll get to a point where I've got the logo on some branded merch giveaways. Um, and not like cheap shit. I'm talking good shit. If I start to go into my ideas, that's a that's a whole other episode. But I got some good shit coming down the pipes. Just believe it. 2021 is going to be our year, okay? And uh, I'm going to put a QR code so that um, I can have the sticker, the show logo with the QR code, and like guerrilla marketing. Put it all over the city. Put it in bulletin boards and like... You know, not like like vandalize the city, you know what I mean? But like on, on places where there's stickers that are stuck. And my friends out in the Bay Area are like, hey, dude, we'll put your stickers all over the place. I got friends in the Bay and friends in LA. They're like, dude, I will take a, you send me those stickers with the QR codes and I'll put them everywhere that I can. And I'm like, that's genius. Yeah, let's fucking do it. So we got some exciting stuff coming up for 2021. And uh, that's just a little preview, okay? But all in all, it was a great morning, and um, Maddie left probably around 12.30. Um, I drove her back to her car, and that's when we actually did our little gift exchange, and then um, she went back to spend time with her family. And the next day, I, I, we did like, kind of, they did some Christmas gifts and stuff, and the, but then the next day, um, on uh, the 26th, we had the Christmas gift exchange, and she had her cousin and her boyfriend Jonathan over, and Nana and everybody, and so that was cool. That was really cool. But uh, no, I, I had the I had the greatest Christmas morning I think I've ever had, and it felt as good as it ever has. And having Maddie there was certainly part of it, but just 
uh, where things, the relationship that I've got right now with my mom is 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 in a really good place. With my brother, my my relationship with my brother has probably never been better than it has right now. And my sister, I mean, look, my sister and I are so similar, and so it doesn't really take a whole lot of work uh, or maintenance on that one because I always know shit's going to be good, you know? Having my stepbrothers there, um, it was just, it it was an awesome time. It was a really awesome time. It was honestly probably as good of a Christmas morning as I've ever had. Like, like it was, it felt that good. It felt that good. And, and that's an important part of this is that it did feel good. Okay. Now, later on, we'll get there. Okay. But I take her back to her car. We did our gift exchange. I come back and hung out and watched the NBA games. Uh, they were kind of trash. Uh, a lot of blowouts. I was happy that LeBron won, but that, of course, didn't happen until later. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the rest of the day was just kind of hanging out. Um, later on, my cousins came over. The way that our mom's family breaks down, um, the Collins, you know, my cousin Jake, and they've got five kids, and they're all pretty pretty close in age. Um, definitely cousins that I'm closest with on the, my mom's side of the family. I've got two other sets of aunts and uncles, but they live in different places. Um so it's 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 tough to to all get together sometimes. And especially if the grandparents aren't coming up, then people are less likely to travel and especially in a covid year, it's just it is what it is. But we've always I've always done stuff with the Collins growing up just because we we always lived pretty close and the other two families didn't. And and I love I love my family, you know, on my mom's side. I do. Um but it's just one of those things where I'm just not super, super close with every single cousin, and I think that's normal for most people, you know what I mean? So it was just us, and eventually, you know, the whole day, we're all hanging out, um, they're drinking, people are drinking in the kitchen, and, and the girls are in the kitchen preparing everything, you know, they set out the hors d'oeuvres, uh, really good stuff, and then later on, it was time for dinner. And instead of, usually we do like a Christmas ham, but this year we did a Christmas roast and slow cooked it all day long. Like it, it was cooking all day long. My brother is, and, and my stepdad are really into like, um, you know, doing different stuff with the meats, smoking them and all this different stuff. So we smoked this roast and it was fantastic. Oh my God. It was so good. <laughs> I've never really, I mean, I've had roast beef, you know what I mean? But this was way different. They, I mean, they, they treated the meat and, and it was just like, oh my God. So that was Christmas dinner. But here's, <laughs> here's the thing is around Christmas dinner, you know, people have been drinking all day. I had a drink and then immediately after I had like a burning burp, I get acid reflux a lot. And I was like, you know what? Nope, I'm not doing this today. I want to enjoy my meal. I didn't drink on Thanksgiving. I had one drink on Christmas Day and decided, no, I want to actually enjoy the meal and I don't want to have to decide whether I want to eat or drink and start drinking and then maybe get to a point where I don't stop. And then that's where all these other problems arise, okay? So I just decided, you know what? I'm not going to do that. So everybody's drinking. Everybody's hanging out. Everybody's having a good time. The girls are in the kitchen. And at some point, I notice that my mom is getting a little 
too drunk. She's getting a little. She's 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 flirting with that line. She's she's getting there, and she you know she she stands up on the stairs, um, and gives this speech, you know, and 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 was genuinely happy that everybody was there. Uh, but it's like, you know, my mom feels that everything has to be perfect, and. She was focusing on on like stuff like, you know, the tables aren't the same height. And so I'm sorry about that. And it's like everyone's just like in this really good mood. Can't wait to hear what you're going to say about having us all together and like focusing on the love and just us being there and accepting each other. And, you know, what a crazy year it's been. And she went into what a crazy year it's been. But it's like instead of doing all that other stuff, at, at least at first, she was focused and she couldn't get past the tables not being perfect or this other thing I and I and I can't remember what it is now um, but there was like something else that she was like pointing out that no one was even like it was like one of those things where you're just sitting there and you and you're kind of like oh huh that, that yeah I guess I did notice that but uh all right well why do I you know I mean let's see you're just like I, why I, I, I don't know what I don't know what to say I don't know what to say I'm dumbfounded like this should be a good like uh, you know talk about the love and like don't talk don't worry about like something that is is so inconsequential and so doesn't even fucking matter. But but those are the things that bug her, you know, and keep her from enjoying the experience herself because she feels like everything has to be perfect. And so I I. You know, I'm sitting here, I'm listening, I'm watching, I'm listening to her talk, and I'm going, all right, mom's mom's flirting with that line. She's faded. She's she's getting loose. She's loose, you know? And I had, uh, she gets down and, and she, you know, she, she got emotional and, and it was, it was like, there were parts, there were parts that were beautiful, you know, very heartfelt. And I know that, that she was, she was wanting to speak from the heart. Uh, but she just like, she was projecting other parts that, you know, this, these, these insecurities of not feeling okay being imperfect. And I think that's where that stuff comes from. It, it, it manifests itself. And that's what I'm, you know, it's like, and maybe I'll have my mom on one day to talk about where that comes from. And she's ready to share her story. She's absolutely, I, I would do it. But like, this is my story. And this is how this stuff affects me. And when I'm sitting there at the dinner table watching her and knowing probably where this is headed because I have seen this episode so many times, I know how it ends. I know how it's going to end. I know how it's likely to end. I know how it could possibly end. And that makes me very anxious. That makes me want to escape. It makes me want to escape my reality. And a lot of times, if I've ever used drugs or alcohol, sometimes it's just recreationally like, hey, I'm at this festival and let's do it. And hey, yeah, why not? You know what I mean? But other times when I've used drugs or alcohol, it's, it's to escape reality. That's why people use a lot because they're trying to escape the reality. Let me take this thing. Let me drink this thing. Let me shoot this thing. Let me smoke this thing. Let me snort this thing. And then maybe I won't feel as bad. Maybe I can forget about all this stuff that makes me feel really shitty. But then what happens is you just get higher drunk and you're the same person with the same problems, but now you're high. Now you're drunk. Now you're really not thinking in a clear state of mind. And yet, now you're trying to think about all that stuff because anywhere you go in life, there you'll be. And so, 
then you're really just kind of setting yourself up for a shitty situation. So don't do that. Don't, don't do that. If you're going to use drugs or alcohol, do it responsibly and make sure that you're in a good place because I'm telling you, you don't want to have a bad trip. You don't want to have a bad experience, man. I've been there. That's a whole other episode, okay? But that's honest. That's honest. And, and I felt that sitting in my chair at the dinner table about to eat and I started to feel really uncomfortable. Like, I don't want to see my mom get to this point again. Because I've seen it happen so many times throughout my life. It's caused so much pain and anxiety and hurt and problems and anger and fights. I don't want to see that happen tonight. And when she got down, she was sitting at a table of just my stepdad, my aunt, and my uncle in the dining room, and then I'm kind of, I I literally had this table of my own, where I guess they had saved it for a couple, um, either presumably me or Maddie, if Maddie was able to stay for dinner, or my cousin and his girlfriend, but his, his girlfriend ended up showing up like late into the dinner, and he had already put his cup down on the big table, and I was looking around the big table for a seat where all the cousins were sitting, big long table, couple tables, you know what I mean? And I saw his, I was like, who's sitting there right on the end? And they were like, Liam. And I was like, oh, okay, bet, bet. So no one's sitting at this little two-seat table in the middle, kind of like between the rooms, you know what I mean? And I was like, you know what? I don't want to sit like with my arms pinched into my sides and like on top of somebody. I want like, I want some motherfucking elbow room, dog. So I sat alone at my family Christmas dinner and ate and ate dinner alone you know and I love that I love that because sometimes you gotta eat alone even in a room full of people who are your family and friends and you love sometimes you're gonna eat alone in this life and that's real shit but because I'm in this kind of middle space I can hear the conversation on my right between my you know the 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 real grown-ups you know and I can hear the conversations going on to the left and I could I could sense just from listening to the way that those conversations to my right were going that I knew that I felt like this is barreling towards an unbearable situation for me. It really is. Because here's the thing about people who who drink and abuse alcohol. You know, it's not every time. Sometimes, my mom can be the life of the party, dude. When we had her 50th birthday party, we rented out the Pendennis Club. I was on DJ for a little bit, had all these boomers jumping around to Kygo and Pretty Young Thing by Michael Jackson and Billie Jean. It was insane. It was insane. But she can be the life of the party. Absolutely, she can. And she can be your best friend. She's fun to be around. She's amazing, amazing person. But when she drinks sometimes... She has this, this, these, this pettiness that comes out, this toxicity, and it totally will overwhelm any situation because she can't be happy. It, it's, it, doesn't, it comes from a place of unhappiness, and so then it, it spills out, and, and she can be so fucking mean and hurtful and just, just adversarial, just wants to fight just wants to fight with people and the if if you have if 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 you can 
relate to that. If you have somebody in your life that you've dealt with that that becomes that, even your friend. You know what's crazy is like you think that it's just older people. No, like I know twenty somethings in college that would become that person. Just wants to fight, looking for a fight. You know that's a problem. That those are things that they haven't worked through yet, and that's why that comes out. Okay, and. When, when that person, you know, it's like walking on eggshells, man. It's like walking on eggshells. You, it's like a fucking magic eight ball. You don't know what's going to come up. It, you might say something, something that you would normally say on a normal day. And in a, in a normal state of mind, this, the person might be like, hey, I hear what you're saying. And I see how, the, how you could feel that way or, or something like that, you know, or like, uh, react normally obviously alcohol always complicates things but something that you say might not have any effect right but then really trivial things also might be taken very personally and and sometimes she perceives that as like a slight or as an attack and then she gets defensive and lashes out and that's where a lot of the ugliness that I've dealt with in my life, I've seen um, with my mom and my dad, with my mom and her and her, her now husband, my stepdad, um, with me. Uh, I mean, there's a reason that I, I you know what, I, that, that's an episode for another day. But like, it's my reality. It's my reality. I have to worry and I can't be comfortable around my mom when she drinks because of the propensity that it, it it and the possibility that it could be taken to that that place where everything is going fine until it's not and then it's like what the fuck like where is this coming from like why are you coming at me and and it's just because sometimes alcohol does that to people and they have stuff that they're dealing with and they've been hurt and they've been wounded and that comes out and they project that and i refuse to walk on eggshells I refuse to do that. I refuse to feel uncomfortable in my own house. And I don't deserve that. I had a great day. I wanted to preserve that. So I finished my dinner, and I gave my entire family the Irish goodbye on Christmas. <laughs> I did. I did. I finished my plate. I acted like I was going to the bathroom. You know, and I did go to the bathroom. But I came back, and everybody was pretty much done. Everybody was hanging out, and I took my plate. I rinsed it off. I put it in the dishwasher, and I packed my stuff up, and I left, and I left. And um, I felt a little bad about it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I felt bad in the sense that I wanted, I was having such a great time, and it was such a great morning and I wanted to stay there and enjoy the night with my cousins and hang out. But I knew that based on what I had seen at dinner, it had the potential to go to a place that I have no desire to be around. With, with, with her, with anybody, I don't want to be around that. And so for me, it was... I'm going to get out of this situation where I might be tempted now, now now that I'm feeling uncomfortable now that now that I'm feeling like 
oh shit, I'm one sentence away from a potential blow up. Or being downstairs or in the other garage or in the other room later on in the night and having either my stepdad or one of my cousins or my sister come up and unbeknownst to me, you know, there's this other big thing that's happening and then they come and like, hey, you need to come in, get your mom and like, you're, you know, can you, can you talk to your mom or like, I've had to clean up that mess all my life. I've had to do that since I was young and I, I'm just, that, that makes me feel really shitty. It makes me feel really shitty. It makes me not want to be here, to be honest with you. It makes me not want to be here. I would rather I would rather be numb and not feel anything than have to feel as shitty as I feel when I have this feeling of impending doom because my mom, who's usually the most loving, caring person in the world, fun and full of energy, goes to this really dark place that is just a pain in the ass to be around. And, and and hurtful. I mean, some of the most hurtful things I've ever heard in my life. Things that I have to deal with. You know what I mean? Like, And that's what it is. That's what it is. It's this person feels hurt, so now they want to make you feel that the way that they feel. You know? Which isn't a healthy way to, to, to deal with it. But for better or worse... That's my reality. And my friend Hunter Bowles hit me up on Instagram and was like, because I was like, uh, listen, Instagram straight flexing like the whole day. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, maybe be an extra, but um, I was really happy. I was enjoying it. Like, I do have this beautiful life. I do have a beautiful home. I do have a beautiful family. But it's, 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 it's all of those things until it's not. It's a beautiful home until it's not. I almost wanted to tweet that on Christmas, but like, I didn't want to bum anybody out. But Hunter hits me up and is like, bro, y'all have the coolest damn house. I swear to God. And I'm literally going to read what I read to him because in the moment, it was just like, I felt comfortable enough sharing this with him. But I just like, I, I was I was on my way out. I had left because I, like I said, I didn't want to get to that point where it's like, hey, um, y- your parents are fighting or I'm like walking in like everything's great, everything's great. And then I just hear like people screaming like I don't want that. I don't want that to ruin the great day that I just had because it, like I said, it's been the best I've probably ever had. And I packed up all my shit. I got in my car and I drove to, to my safe place to go stay with my girlfriend, Maddie, because I wanted to get up the next day. I wanted to go to bed at the same time. I didn't want to hang out and drink. I didn't want to wake up the next day and be dealing with acid reflux and heartburn. I didn't want to drink all those calories. I wanted to stay consistent with my uh, fitness goals. I wanted to get up the next day feeling rested, go to CrossFit, in which I finished first in the fucking class, and I am down another five pounds in the last four weeks when I weigh in, and like all of that stuff is awesome, but I still felt... I was upset. I was really, it, it made me angry that I couldn't feel comfortable in my own home staying there um, to be with them because I would have loved to hang out more with my cousins. I was having a great time, but, but, but I was having a great time until I wasn't. And then it was time to go because I want to preserve, you know, those feelings that I had that feel good being with my family. But I knew that that wasn't going to happen if I stuck around. And so um, <laughs> Hunter hits me up 
and I'm driving to Maddie's and says what he said, you know, bro, you have the coolest damn house, I swear to God. And here's what I sent back to him. It makes up for when I got an Irish goodbye them when my mom gets too drunk and is barreling towards a meltdown. I'm going to stay with my girl and going to CrossFit in the morning. Fuck that shit. I had to get out of there, dude. I've seen how that episode ends way too many times. It's perfect until it's too late. I don't know if you're close with anyone who is a real deal alcoholic or grew up watching someone abuse alcohol and just want to fight, but it's exhausting. And that's the trade-off. Watching my mom want to fight with my stepdad or my dad or... Um, with me and watching her take beatings over the years, but knowing that she's never going to leave because of us, because of the house, the money, the cars, the lifestyle, that is my reality. That's, that's my reality. It looks great from the outside, and it's a lot of fun. It is. I mean, a lot, I got a lot of shit. I got everything I could have possibly wanted. And for most of the day, that meant... Spending time with family that felt really good. But after dinner, once dinner hit, it stopped feeling that way. Because I was like, I know where this is going to go. And I don't want it to go there. And I don't want to be around to pick up the pieces again. I'm, I'm, I'm done doing that. And that's not my problem. That's not my concern. And that's my reality. That's real shit. And like... I'm saying all this stuff like my mom might be really fucking mad at me that I'm sharing all this stuff and might feel attacked and might be embarrassed. And those are very valid things to feel. Like, yeah, obviously, you know what I mean? But also, it's a vehicle for how I feel. You got to understand that your actions have a reaction on other people. And when people do certain things, it makes us feel certain ways. Some of them good. Some of them really bad. And this is my reality. This is real talk. This is my story. These are my challenges. These are the things that I have to deal with. And I had to get myself out of a potentially tough situation. where Because here's the thing. If I, if I had stayed, I would have only begun to resent being around her and listening to her talk. Because I'm like, why can't you be less drunk? The whole time. That's going through my head. Anytime. And... and I don't want to do that because it makes me feel not good towards my mom. And I want to feel great towards my mom. I want to feel all the love in the world towards my mom. But I can't do that when she drinks. Okay? And and I'm not, I don't want to make it sound like she's a raging alcoholic and, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm constantly watching her like slamming booze and all this shit. Like, no, 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 no. It's just sometimes when she drinks, like myself, you know, sometimes when I drink, I take it too far. I, I, I binge, I, I say things I don't mean, I act in a certain way. Some of it is really fun. Other times, it's really destructive. It's really bad. And I own that about myself. And here's this other person that, that does this and, and makes me feel a certain way. And I can't be there. I can't do that because... The way that I escape that is by using, is by probably just drinking to feel numb, to forget about it, is eating something that I think is going to bring me happiness. I'm going to eat this pizza, or I'm going to eat this cookie cake, or I'm going to eat Five Guys, or Chick-fil-A, or whatever, and I'm going to hope that it makes me happy so that I can escape, but now I'm just full, and I still have the same problems. You know what I mean? Like, you can't escape your problems, and I literally had to 
Because I knew that if I had told people, hey, I'm leaving, I can't be here, it would have been this big thing. Why can't you stay? You don't love us. Oh my God, no. So I'm just going to go. I had a great time, but I stopped having a great time. So I'm done. And that's my reality. You know, that's my reality. Every once in a while, Alcohol makes people do certain things, and sometimes it turns my mom into a really nasty person that can say and do really mean and hurtful things, and I don't deserve that. I I don't. No one does. No one does. So I left. I left. And Hunter is like, you know, I, I just totally unleashed this thing on him, and he's like, damn, brother, I had no clue, man. Divorced parents' life is brutal, bro. I know all about that. I don't have anybody that's necessarily abused alcohol, but more like substance abuse in my case. But like, I know exactly what you mean. Anything you need, brother, I'm always here, even if it's just a vent, homie. And I was like, dude, I appreciate, I appreciate the fuck out of you. And, and same. And, and I don't know, I don't, I don't know why I shared all of that, but it just like you, you reaching out when you did. And I'm literally driving away from the situation in my rear view mirror. Like I got to get away. And it's like, that's how it looks to everybody else. It's like, damn, dude gets everything he wants, has this beautiful family, huge ass home. And like, that's the trade-off. You know what I mean? Like, that's the trade-off. So if that's not a lesson in like the grass always looking greener on the other side, then I don't know what is. You know, it's like we always look at what other people have, but we don't see everything that comes with it. We see what they show us, you know? I showed all that stuff to you on Instagram, but you didn't see me Irish goodbying my family on Christmas fucking dinner and leaving, you know what I mean? That's, that's, that's my reality. That's my reality. I'm not, you know, look, yeah, I'm not, not proud of that. But if I had stayed and stuck around, I would have, and, and, and like that, here, here's the other thing. It's like, I don't know. I don't know how the rest of the night went. I didn't ask. I didn't care to know. Okay. It, it, it probably went fine. It, it probably was okay. But other times, it's a disaster. And I've seen it happen too many times where it ends up being a disaster for me to be like, well, I'm okay to stay here and just roll the dice. It's a gamble. It's like, and it's like walking on eggshells and you just can't relax because you're like, is sh- when is shit going to pop off? Not if, it's when. When is shit going to pop off? What am I going to have to clean up and deal with tonight? That's shitty. So I left. I, I went to Maddie's and, you know, that was my safe place. And that was a really healthy decision for me. That was a really smart decision for me because otherwise I would have been tempted. I just want to get like, I, I don't, I'm not an addict. I'm not. I'm not an addict. I'm not addicted to alcohol. I'm not addicted to drugs. I, I, maybe I'm addicted to sex, but like I am not an addict. I don't wake up in the morning and think, where is my next drink coming from or where is my next drug coming from? I, that's not me. I can go months and months and months without using or wanting to use or, or drinking like that to turn up or doing Molly or 
Um, back in 2015, I was on the spiritual journey. I was searching. I did LSD. I mean, I, I turn coke down all the time. Like I haven't touched coke in over like two or three years probably because it's just like it's never as good as you think it's going to be. And it's always fucking chopped up with bullshit. You don't know what you're taking. Please just legalize drugs so it's safe and people stop overdosing on shit. That's kind of my thing on drugs. It's like if people want to do it, people are still doing it regardless. Make it safe so people don't buy a dime bag thinking it's heroin, put it up their arm, and oh, surprise, it's fucking fentanyl. And now what they thought was just going to be their regular amount is 80 times stronger, or it's cut with something, and it's very dangerous. And it's like, let's just let's just make it safe, you know? I know that's very progressive, but like, make it safe for people so we stop having these accidental overdoses and and we stop giving shady drug dealers fucking business, man. Like, just regulate it and tax it. All the good things in life are, are like, you know, the people are opposed to morally, like religious fanatics, like gambling. Oh, look at what it's doing for Indiana, but Kentucky won't, like, like why doesn't Kentucky legalize gambling or weed or, like, any of these things? Just make more money. You know what I mean? Like, all the other stuff, that's not my problem. That's not my problem. You figure it out. You know? If I can figure it out for myself, then I think that's the, I think that's the social contract. I think you, you, every single person should take it upon themselves to be like, fast food exists, but I'm not going to eat it. Drugs exist, but I'm not going to do them. Alcohol exists, but I'm not going to consume it. Like, <laughs> it, you could go on and on and on. I, I could go on and on and on. But I digress. But I digress, okay? Um, but those are like, that makes me and 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 like a lot of the times, um, you know, if if I've taken drugs, and I, I I've been clean, like I haven't taken drugs in over a year. Uh, I mean, smoke a little weed here and there, but even weed, like I I've just kind of stopped smoking weed because uh, sometimes I get I, I wasn't in a good headspace the last couple of years. So when I would smoke, I would get anxious, I would get all in my thoughts, I wouldn't feel good about myself or what I was doing, and then it was just like I now I have the same problems, but I'm high and I don't want to do that. So I'm not I'm not an addict, but I am a drug abuser. Absolutely. Absolutely I'll abuse drugs every now and then. Absolutely I've abused alcohol in my life. Fuck yeah, I have. And there, and there is a difference, you know. Uh, I remember the first time that I ever went to an AA meeting. It was court mandated. Um, I had blacked out Halloween night in San Francisco on Polk and Sutter Street doing a 90s bar crawl. I was outside. I had wandered off from my friends that I was there with smoking a cigarette outside. I'm not a big smoker, but every now and then if I'm a little litty, you know, I'll, I'll rip a jewel. I'll, I'll smoke a, I love a black and mild cream. I'll smoke a cigarette. And I'm outside. Apparently, I don't know. I I was blacked out. But there's some guy. He's talking crazy to his girl. I go over to them. And I straight up push this dude. And he fell off the curb onto a parking meter. Was laying on the ground hurt. It's Polk and Sutter Street on Halloween. There's cops on fucking every block. They come right over and they're like, you're going to the drunk tank. And so off I went. And I woke up on the floor in a glass holding cell on the floor of the San Francisco Police Department, isolated, and so early, it was like, it was like 7.30 when this happened, and I, and I wake up, and I am like, no one else is even in the holding cells because it's so fucking early, okay? 
And I just start, I'm like, how the fuck did I get here? Where the fuck am I? And I just start banging on this glass. It was so thick. I'm just banging on this glass. Like, somebody please come and tell me why I'm here or what I needed to do to get out of here. Why? Like, I, 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 I just need an answer. Guy comes, says, you ready to go? You sobered up? I'm like, yeah, I'm ready to go. I was drunk as shit, but I was good enough to like wake up from my blackout. I sign out. I got an Uber home, and I was home by like probably nine. Like I took an Uber from San Francisco to San Jose, and the fallout of that there was there was never anything that went on my record because I went through an expungement process. But part of that process was going to AA. I had to go to ten court mandated AA meetings, and you want to talk about? I mean, like some real talk, you want to talk about some real shit, being in an AA meeting in in San Jose, California was eye-opening. And I listened. I listened. And I I was there to learn. And I was like, I don't want to become that guy sitting in that chair telling the story about how he lost everything. Like, I knew that I needed to make a change, but I, I was still at a point where I was... I was there was a, there was a couple years where I was really abusing alcohol um, and using it to escape, using it to escape things and binging and and that was really bad. It it was really bad, but that was probably like one of my lowest points was like waking up on this fucking you know police floor and being like, how the fuck did I get here? And I remember going to AA and and the reason that I told this story is because. In AA, they will tell you you're an addict. You know, it's like I'm 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 paraphrasing here, but here's how I felt when I sat down in the chair. You're an addict. You're a piece of shit. You have a problem. You can't be normal. Um, and there's no shades of gray about it. It's black and white. You're either an addict and you're hooked for life, and you have to be unnormal for the rest of your life, or you're not, and you can enjoy this stuff. But I think that's bullshit because that basically lets people who who aren't by definition addicts skate and do whatever the fuck they want when they go over the top and they go on a bender, okay, and be like, well, they're not an addict, so they don't have a problem. Um, they're abusers, right? And then with with the addicts, it's like, hey, I, you know, like, I, I think that is a like a really encouraging thing. If it's like, hey, it's been a year, I want to take just a sip of beer to prove to myself that I can do it. And for some people, that works. They can do it. For other people, for real addicts, even that sip of beer, a couple days later, they'll think, okay, that wasn't so bad like I did it then. I'm going to have a beer. I'm going to drink a beer. And maybe that goes well. And then maybe they come back and they have, they say, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm going to try whiskey this time. You know, but now here's like three or four weeks where they've drinking three or four times during that span, and each time it's progressively getting a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger, a little bit more, a little bit more. And then eventually it spirals into a full-blown thing where you're gaslighting people, you get back on your bullshit, you're drinking, um, for some people it's drugs, it's like it starts so small and you convince yourself, I can do this, it's no problem. And it becomes one because it is a problem. Now, I'm not that. That's not me. I don't, if, if I'm not, I, I don't drink with dinner. I, like, I, I never just drink beer to drink beer. I never just drink bourbon or vodka to drink v- bourbon or vodka with dinner. I'm not that kind of a guy. Um, 
I like to save it up. I like to, I'm like, if I'm going to drink, then I want it to be like at a show or at the club or like, and I don't even go to clubs anymore, but like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I like it to be festivals, like stuff like that. You know, I'm going to save it up. And sometimes it works out and I'm on my shit and I'm perfect with it. And I don't defeat myself. Other times I have the, I'm a binge drinker, you know, so I will start to go down this road and then down that road, bad things happen. Bad things have the possibility to happen and and bad shit will come up. And it's like, how do we even get here? You know? And so, uh, but, but, but yeah, I, Alcohol and, and, and drugs, like, not so much drugs. Drugs have never really, I've never been busted with drugs or anything like that. Uh, I've never used anything regularly enough to be like, oh, yeah, I'm, 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 this is like my thing, you know? I'm like a, this drug user. No, 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 no. For me, it's alcohol. For me, it's vodka and Red Bull, okay? And um, alcohol has definitely caused a lot of problems in my life. Yeah, yeah, it has. Yeah, it has some really tough things that I've had to climb back out of, right? And overcome and apologize for. And it's just one of those things. But I but I don't wake up and think, where is my next drink coming from? Or, you know, I have to hide all the bottles in the house or anything like that. It's just every once in a while, I have the uh, ability to, 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 to do, do too much, you know? And, and that's human. And that's okay. And like, Everybody deals with that, you know? I think everybody deals with that. I've never met the person that has said, yeah, I've never had a night where I went too far, did something I shouldn't have done, said something I didn't mean to say. No, that that happens when you drink alcohol. So, like, I'm not here to, I'm not casting judgment, you know, on, I'm not casting judgment on my mom for, 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 for drinking and me having to leave on Christmas. Like, I'm, no judgment at all. I, I wish that, you know, she's able to deal and, and like process those things. And I, I, I wish that she would be able to like work through um, the things that make her want to escape. But I, you know, I can't do it for her. And, and, but I don't think it makes her a bad person. I don't think it makes me a bad person. I don't think it makes you a bad person. You know, I, I don't look at junkies and think that's a bad person. I think what were the decisions that led them to that point? You know, what are all the things we see, we see them strung out on 4th Street now. How did they get there? You know, because it's always baby steps. It, it's always a gradual progression to get to that rock bottom. And some people, they never climb themselves out of it, you know. And a lot of times my rock bottoms have been from feeling shitty about my childhood or about my life or about my situation. And that's, that's why I've gone... You know, that, that's why I reach for sometimes. You know what I mean? That's why. That's why. <sighs> wow. <laughs> but that's why I couldn't stick around on Christmas Day, man. That's why I couldn't stick around past Christmas dinner because I felt uncomfortable and <laughs> it was either go off in another room and avoid the situation and drink to forget about the situation something that I didn't want to do or leave. And so I left. And so I left. But yeah, um, that, that, that's a feeling that makes me want to drink. You know what I mean? That makes me want to feel numb and forget. Here's another reason that 
holidays make me want to drink or use drugs and forget about. Christmas has always been a really interesting... uh, Let me put it this way. I've always had a very interesting relationship with Christmas. You know, being a child of divorce, at some point, your Christmases look a little bit differently. And when I was a kid, we used to grow up uh, going to both grandparents' houses on Christmas Day. We would go and do my mom's in the morning, basically to get it out of the way. Uh, Because my Catholic Italian side of the family, my dad's side of the family, it was expected that all of the five sons and their families were to be there at the dinner table with my grandmother at the head of the table, grandfather, deceased, I didn't get to meet them, uh, you know, apologies, um, died before I any of the cousins got to meet him. So my grandmother, okay, who is an Italian, or I mean, parents were Italian immigrants, old school Catholic woman, was the head of the household. And it was like Godfather shit. I mean, we used to grow up watching, like we were kind of too young to watch the Godfather, but we would see it among my grandma's VHSs and always wonder about it. And like she read the book, like would read the book. And we just grew up in that kind of an atmosphere where it was like, you don't take sides against the family. You don't speak ill of the family. Um, if somebody's acting out of line, like it's an embarrassment to you. So like, um, you know, your kids are a reflection of you and like that. Yeah, that's true. But if your kid says something like it, and I'm speaking for my experience, right? Like me being the person that I am, I would say things that were probably mature or I would tell my parents no, or I would say no to adults. And like adults in in that side of the family weren't used to that kind of stuff. And I took a lot of beatings. I took a shit ton of beatings over the years. You know what I mean? That's why my pain tolerance is so high. And that's why I love doing stuff like CrossFit or running half marathons or playing football because I fucking love the pain. It's sick. It's, it's It's really an interesting relationship that I have with pain. But that comes from somewhere, and that comes from my growing up in, in this family and with a dad who used to, you know, uh, have anger issues. And, and, and I can't speak to what they are now because I don't know my dad like that. There was like like eight years that went by where I didn't have any contact with my dad at all. And that started in Christmas 2008. It was Christmas 2008. My parents got divorced. My parents split up when I was 13 years old, and I was in middle school, um, like seventh grade. My side of the family, on my dad's side, all Trinity people. I mean, my uncle, Stephen, coached there, was a teacher there, just recently passed away not too long ago this year, and... It was like Trinity, Trinity, Trinity. From the moment that I was born, I was in Trinity clothes. I was sold this dream. My family, it was like you had to go and you had to go to Trinity. I mean, there was no other option. There and and anybody that strayed away from that was gonna become a black sheep. And when my parents got divorced, their marriage went to shit finally. Um, you know, the the world economy was going to shit. This is like fall 0708. Um, when I'm going off into high school, and I did get to go to Trinity for my freshman year, I lived that experience, and that was really cool. That was really cool, you know. And and for some of that year, I lived with my dad, so it was easier because he was like, you know, 
he would fill my head with, you're going to Trinity. Don't care what your mom says. My mom's like, how are we going to pay for it? You know what I mean? Like, how is this actually going to work? What's it going to look like? He's like, I don't, I, listen, you're going to Trinity. Your brother's going to Trinity. It's a tradition in this family. It's got to happen. I'm like, bet. You know, people would ask me about high school. I, 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 I was probably, I was, people were probably tired of me talking about Trinity by the time I was in eighth grade because that's what I was going to do. I loved Trinity, uh, wanted to be there, you know, but I stayed for a year. The, uh, you know, 08 crash happened my freshman year and it, it just became too expensive. You know, it was, it was just, it was too expensive. My parents were going through a divorce. Um, you know, there was, uh, issues with child support, um, all throughout, you know, I went without, we, we starved, you know what I mean? Like we, we went without for, for a few years and it was a really tough situation, but you know what? It, it just speaks to how strong my mom is because she dropped out of school at 23 to have me, didn't finish her degree. And she went out and found with, with, with three kids at home, um, the house that my dad had let go into foreclosure and nobody's hiring because it's 08. And she found a job selling office furniture in these FF&E packages and bids. And she made it work for us. And she kept the roof over our head and kept us eating through some really tough years. And I would, I'd die for my mom. Like, I, I was straight up like, I, that's, that's why it's been really tough to watch such a strong woman be beat on is like, it, it just... You can't even imagine. You can't even fucking imagine. And I didn't get to go to Trinity for all four years. I didn't get to graduate. I had to come back, you know. Um, and it, it ended up being the best thing that I that could have ever happened to me. You know what I mean? I love North, and I got to I got to play football and be good at football and and stand out. Whereas. At Trinity, I probably would have just been just another dude. Maybe I wouldn't have even gotten playing time. I don't know. Um, but I, I was kind of able to be a big fish in a smaller pond rather than just be another fucking fish swimming in around in a sea full of people that, that no one even really gives a shit about. You know what I mean? Like, it's just so big that you can't. So I, I, I end up, you know, coming back and... Around that time, you know, I had been living with my dad in order to go to Trinity on some of those mornings because it was just easier, you know, living out in Prospect and driving to Trinity every morning. There was only a couple other families doing that. And so it was just easier for me to live with my dad for a little bit. And I, you know, I've had I've had troubles in my relationships with my parents, both at different times. And but my, my thing with my mom has always been a strong bond. And and with my dad, it hasn't been because you know, fair or not, if your parents split up and your dad is the one that goes to live somewhere else, you're going to feel like he left. And he did. Okay. And he did. And it, it, and it worked out that way. And he might not like me characterizing it that way. But again, this is my story. I have a right to tell it. This is why I am the way that I am. Okay. And so however that falls, I'm, you know, nice for what, but, um, that was a big deal. So already, I'm like, I'm not feeling great about that. Um, my dad and I had kind of been going through some issues with each other at this point, and there was uh, there was a there was a little bit of time where I didn't go and see my dad. I stopped going over to see my dad, and my brother and my sister would still go. Um, 
I don't know how long that lasted. You know, it, it feels like probably just a couple visits, but if you're going, you know, every other weekend to stay with them and every Thursday and you just stop for a couple weeks, then, you know, a couple, couple like months go by really quick. So I don't know if it was just, a ma- I feel like it was like maybe a month or two that I wasn't going over there. But then around Christmas, 08, um, he really wanted me to be there. And of course, because appearances are everything, so you got to keep up appearances to the family. And so it was like a really big deal that I come over for Christmas. And my mom got us the first week of uh, the Christmas break that year. And then we did like Christmas, you know, either like split the day um, and then came back to mom's or like end of the day with mom or I can't really fucking remember the specifics and they aren't important, but just my mom had us like the first half of, of the Christmas break. And then the second half of the Christmas break, I was supposed to go and stay with my dad. And, and we already had been kind of at odds with each other, um, for a lot of the same reasons. And I just, I didn't want to stay there. I, I was like, okay, like, I'll come to Christmas and and I'll fake it and everything, act like everything's honky-dory, but I'm not going to sit around after Christmas and be bored here because at the time, he was living in this house and there was like a TV in his room and all the other uh, rooms didn't even have furniture and it was like, it was it was a pain in the ass and it was boring and it and it sucked to have to like be uprooted from our our normal life and room and things that we could usually do or kids in the neighborhood that we could usually play with in order to distract us. Uh but when we would go over there it was just like you know and and like that's not to say that I didn't have some fun times with my dad or that I don't like love my dad or my mom but like this stuff also happened. This is still part of the story, okay? That's not the parts we're talking about today, but they, they do exist, you know? I, I We used to go on a lot of hikes and stuff like that, and that was cool, but, like, look, by and large, when we go over there, none of us wanted to be there because it just it sucked. It sucks, and I think it would probably would have sucked for anybody's divorce, you know what I mean? Unless it was, like, a different, I don't know. I mean, it, it, anyways... And so this became a defining moment in my life. This became a defining moment in my life because after Christmas, a couple days later, my parents on that second week, my my mom and my stepdad were about to go on a trip. They were going to take a trip. They had had the kids. And my stepbrother is only two years younger than me. He's the same age as my brother. And he was going to be hanging out at my stepdad's condo. You know, for like, I don't know, like four or five days. But they were going to leave him pizza money. He was just going to be watching sports, playing. He was a big World of Warcraft guy. Um, but he was going to be in this king-size bed playing video games and uh, with pizza money. And I was like, yeah, that sounds way better than staying here where I literally am just like me and my brother would pick on my sister because we would be bored or we would pick at each other because we were bored and fight. I mean, that's, that's literally what we did. There was nothing else to do. So I was like, I'm not going to stay here. I want to go stay with my stepbrother. I'm out. And I told my dad this, you know, I'm like 15 years old at the time. I can't drive. I'm like, dad, I'm leaving. I am not going to stay here the rest of the week. Um, and I guess because I hadn't been going over there, I guess kind of like leading up to that, 
I just figured that, you know, he he wouldn't approve of it, but like, what's he gonna say? Like, no. Like, I'm like, you're not gonna tell me no. You know, even as a kid, I had this fucking, you know, like, you just, you, what are you gonna tell me? No, no, fuck you. You know. And he said, no, you're not leaving. You know, told me that I had to stay. And I'm like, uh, and not only that, told me, not only did he tell me I couldn't leave, he said it wasn't my decision. It's not your decision. The courts decided that you have to be here. I'm like, but I don't want to be here. It doesn't matter. You don't have a decision. I'm like, I'm a, dude, I'm not a man yet, but this was the, this was the day that I became a man. This was the day that I became a man and I emancipated myself because I said, you know what? Fuck that. I do have a decision. I'm leaving. I don't give a shit what you tell me. I'm leaving. And that didn't go over so well, you know? Because I'm like, I'm not going to stay here like a fucking prisoner. If I want to leave, then I'm gone. And he saw it differently. Started to get angry. He got in my face. We're arguing. I'm, t- I'm literally like, dude, here's exactly what I'm going to do. And, you know, he's, he's screaming at me. There's spittle flying at my face. He's red in the face. Veins popping out, gritting his teeth. He's telling me he's going to crack me in the mouth. And I'm, like, getting my bags packed up. And I'm, like, in my room now. I'm, like, walking away to go get my stuff ready to go. Here's the thing. When, like, I, I, I've learned this, too, is, like, don't ever tell somebody you're going to leave or you're thinking about it. Just pack the bags and either dip or... Pack the bags so that if you do say I'm leaving, then then it's like you don't have to wait around to pack the bags while somebody's standing there pissed off or sad or, or whatever. Like if you're going to break up with somebody, pack up and then break up. OK, so you don't have to awkwardly move around and navigate each other. <laughs> but I'm like, dude, I'm my my sh- I had gotten my shit ready to go. I'm like, dude, I'm leaving. Like, I don't I don't care what you say. I'm I'm leaving. And. He was like so against it and telling me all these things that he's going to do and he's standing in the doorway and he just, I, I, I grab my shit, I'm walking towards the door and he just lost it. He just fucking lost it. He grabbed me, shoved me across the room, tackled me. He's bear hugging me. You know, I'm, I'm 15. I'm, I'm kind of scrawny. He's a, ex-Marine, you know, ex-football coach, workout freak, now a CrossFit coach. He's a strong fucking dude. And I'm, you know, a 15-year-old freshman, you know what I mean? And he's got me in a bear hug. And my brother and I had these two beds that were set up in this room that we shared when we would go over there. And they had these wooden frames, you know, with like drawers underneath the beds and they were kind of like the bed frames themselves. They, they sat kind of high up. And because of the drawers, they stuck out a little bit. And then you had the part for the mattress that was kind of pushed against the wall. But these are like really jagged edges. And my dad, in, in a bear hug, was slamming me between these beds because I wanted to leave. And because I told him no. And because I said, I don't care what you say. It is my decision. I'm, I'm gone. And he physically tried to keep me there and and I think looking back on it you know it's probably hard as a parent to relinquish control to a kid or be told no by a kid you know what I mean but but your kids are people your kids are individuals and they're gonna do what they want to do they're gonna do what they're gonna do you know what I mean so like you can tell me no you're not leaving but motherfucker I'm gone okay so 
I, you know, sorry about it. And, and, and I was willing to take a beating. I was willing to accept the consequences of whatever was going to potentially happen in order to preserve my freedom, in order to say, I do have a decision. I do have a choice. Yeah, fuck yeah, it's my life. I'm out, okay? I'm going to remove myself from the situation that I just don't want to be in. And I don't need to, I don't owe you a reason for it. I don't have to apologize for it or feel guilty about it. I'm out. And that's it. That, that's, that's, that's where we're at. And he got physical with me. Um, something that had happened, um, you know, kind of a lot growing up. Look, I'm an ADHD kid. I got in a lot of trouble as a kid and my dad had an anger issues. And like that, that's what would happen, you know? And, and again, it's like the old school Italian family thing. Like we were big spankers, but I also got hit like with, with like a, a towel rack that fell off the wall once and had this huge bruise on my back and like legitimately like abuse. You know, I'm not like, you know, I'm not just like sitting here crying fucking poor me. I'm like, I was legitimately, I'm, I'm a child of abuse. I am a victim of abuse, okay? And it, it's, it's, it's made me as strong as I am today. It's, it's why I'm, I can stand in there and take punch after punch and just spit blood and be like, give me what you, give me more. Give me more. You know what I mean? Because you can't fucking hurt me and you can't kill me as much as um, <laughs> other people have tried. Okay, let's just put it that way. But I was willing to I was willing to stand in and take that beating in order to save my save myself and be like I'm out. That's th- this is my decision. And dude, it was awful because like obviously when that's happening, like my brother and sister are in the right they're right in the next room watching TV. Uh, they've clearly heard everything. My brother runs in. He's crying. He's yelling at my dad to stop. Um, you know, my sister is on the phone texting my mom, like, I think I should call 911. You know, she's like, if I'm 15, she's like less than 10 years old. She's like nine years old. And she's like, I think I need to call 911. And my mom's like, what the fuck is going on over there? You know, my dad's not answering the phone. He's still dealing with me. Matt's standing there in the doorway crying. And my dad uh, finally kind of like just threw me to the ground and, and walked out. And I'm like, look, that sucked. Okay, I didn't cry. Being a child of abuse, I, you know, beatings and stuff. Like, I, I, I stopped crying when I was young, young, like, and, and would take beatings as a child. At 15 years old, I'm like, unless you, like, I don't even know. If you punch me in the face, I probably still, like, I'm not going to cry today. You know what I mean? So, I'm just like, the worst is over. And I'm like, look. Hey, look, good. Now I'm really fucking leaving, you know? If 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 I was saying I was leaving and didn't want to be here, now I'm really fucking gone. And so the only person that I knew at that point with the car that lived kind of close, this is this is just this is crazy, but I reach out to Alex Dutton. And I've always fucked with Alex and 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 really like him and his brother Nate. But uh you know, I just I just thought they were really cool dudes and they were good at football and obviously like I grew up loving Trinity football and just like idolized Loki like idolized these guys and their group of friends, you know, Will Stein was like a really close family friend, all, him and all his brothers and like I just grew up around um, you know, just kind of like this whole thing. Like like you know, you hear people talk about like Trinity people or Saint X people and it's like it's this whole network of people that come from these grade schools that play softball together on Fridays at St. Martha and grow up and like play football and like it it goes deep. But at the time, like I didn't know anybody at North 
you know, who were upperclassmen that I could like call. And Alex was like an older dude that had taken me home from a couple of workouts at the Marshall Center every now and then. And I'm like, he's the only one that I know with a car. They didn't have Uber back then or else I would have called myself. You know what I mean? And I'm 15. I can't even drive. Like I, I could drive. I always had whip game, but like I didn't have a car. And I, and so I just like, I, I hit Alex up and I was like, dude, um, shit just really popped off. Could you please come and pick me up? Like, could you please come and pick me up? And he did. And he fucking did. And I'll never forget that. He did me a favor then and got me out of a really tough situation. And I've told him before just how much that meant to me then and, and now and, and forever. And if that guy ever needs a favor, I'm fucking there. You know what I mean? But he came and he picked me up and he let me crash at his house. And, you know, I've, I've never really spent like outside of the rides like I had you know it wasn't like we were like I was like a freshman you know what I mean and he's like a junior at that point so it was like we're cool but like we're not really kicking it all the time and uh, and and so but like he he opened up his his house to me and I stayed with him. I don't know where Nate was he was gone but uh yeah I, I crashed in Alex's room and the next day um you know, because I, I think I had a cell phone at the time. I, I did, but like I was trying to, I don't know. The next day, um, I <clears throat> I hadn't gotten in touch with my mom. And she's obviously, you know, just in touch with my sister and my dad and, and like my brother. And she's asking my dad, like, where has Ben? Where has Ben? And he had no idea, you know, because I, I didn't tell him where I was going or what I was doing or who was taking me there. I was just gone. And he was like, I don't know where he is. Like, he's your problem. You know, he has no idea. And my mom comes and picks me up from Alex's house. And from there, we drove straight to the courthouse a couple days after Christmas and filed something that's called an EPO, an emergency protective order. And for those of you that have grown up around this kind of stuff, you know exactly what that is. Uh, It's basically just a temporary restraining order, you know. There's also something called the DVO, the domestic violence order. Uh, Basically just restricting, um, you know, it's a a temporary restraining order for potentially like threatening people. And, And at that point, you know, I had seen my mom and my dad duke it out and I had seen some really crazy shit that no kid should ever have to grow up being a fucking middleman for. Uh, but I, you know, I'm, I'm, that's why, that's why I'm so overly protective of women and my sister and my mom is because like, I'm just naturally that person. I'm that guy. Okay. I'm that guy. You know, they can come to me and, and, and I'm a protector. I'm a gentle protector until I'm not, you know, don't fuck with me. But like, that's, that's real. That's real. EPOs, DVOs. That's, I, that's my reality, you know? And we go out to the courthouse and we file that. And I was like, that's it. From this point on. I don't want to go and be with my dad. I don't want to be there anymore. And from that point on, I, d- I didn't fuck with my dad. And my brother and my sister, they they were still going over there for a little bit, but they stopped going eventually. Um, and there went eight years between that and me reaching out when I was ready and on my own terms later on that we didn't speak at all. No contact. I didn't see him. I didn't want to see him. And because of all of this, because when you get divorced in a Catholic, Italian, old school value family and you go and live with your mom and she has custody, majority custody, to my family, it was perceived as Ben, Matt, and Jillian have taken sides against their father. 
meaning they've taken sides against the family. And my cousins were poisoned. My cousins were fed stuff that you shouldn't tell kids, man. It's none of their business. And they would talk about my mom and talk about all this different shit. And my cousins grew up thinking that we were lepers, you know, because we lived with our mom and our parents were divorced and we didn't want to live with our dad every day. And it was just like, we were outcasts. I was alienated. I was scapegoated for a lot of bullshit. They put a lot of bullshit on me. That's reality. Cousins that I grew up with that were my favorite cousins in the world that I now have no relationship with whatsoever and haven't in since 08, you know? And it was like, I, I remember I would do this almost every year, man. Almost every year. Because look, like my... Like, at one point, I did have a lot of love for that family. Of course I did. Like, of course I loved my family. Like, we had our dysfunctions on that side of the family, but of course I did. I loved, I loved the thing that we had, okay? A lot of boys, a lot of uncles, my godfather, which is like a huge deal in Italian and Catholic families, is a godfather and a godmother, is on that side of the family. And I used to be really close with my Uncle Stephen, you know? And then I wasn't. And then my parents got divorced. And then I stopped going over to see my dad. And it was like, they, I, there was nothing that I could say to get them to understand why I wasn't going over to see my dad. It didn't matter to them. They didn't want to hear it. They thought talking to me was betraying my dad, was going behind his back to have a relationship with their godson or their nephew or their cousin. That was a betrayal of my dad. Or so they felt, you know? And so I, I, I lost this massive part of me after that year because I was basically blackballed. Like my brother, my sister, and I, absolutely my mom was. But we still had a relationship with them where we would go and see them on Thanksgiving and Christmas for, for a couple years there after my parents split up. After 08, fuck no. No, I was blackballed. The cousins, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't think it was ever something that, that anybody said directly like, you are not to speak or be cool with your cousins or be friends with your cousins or anything. But when you grow up and people talk a certain way about other people, you develop their attitudes. You subliminally pick up on that, that they don't like this person or that this person shouldn't be treated the same as everybody else. And then it, it's like, hey, you know, I would, I would do this thing. I would reach out, man, for years, for a few years there, I was reaching out to every one of my uncles and my favorite cousins on that side of the family, and I would tell them, hey, I'm thinking about you. I love you. I know that things with my dad and I didn't work out, but I still value my relationship with you. I'm saying that shit as a 16-year-old, as a 15-year-old, 17-year-old, 18-year-old, reaching out to grown men and cousins who are older than me to say this stuff. And the response that I always got, usually it was civil, sometimes it wasn't, had a couple uncles who were just straight assholes, but usually the response would be, Ben, 
until you have a relationship with your dad, we can't have a relationship. And that's not how it should be. That's not how it should be. You know? Divorce doesn't have to be this nasty fucking thing. Sometimes it is. But when I meet writers and they tell me that they're divorced and I ask, are you friendly with with your baby mama or are you friendly with your baby daddy or like... You know, and they're, and most of the time they're like, yeah, yeah, we 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 wanted to to really um, be friends, and not friends, but just be able to be in the same room together, and like be that for our kids, you know, so that they grew up feeling like they still had like, you know, just two loving parents that had split up. But I I didn't have that. I don't know divorce like that. My divorce is you're cut off. You know, the phrase you're dead to me. That is, that is my reality. You're dead to me. You're dead to me. Because basically after that Christmas, that entire part of me died. That entire part of me died. And I would get so bummed out, man. I would get so bummed out begging these people to stay in my life and feeling like, why am I not good enough? And they would always shut me down. You know, it was always this thing. I would build it up. Maybe this is going to be the year. I just want to hear I love you back. Never. Never. And now it's like so far down the road. And, it's, and it is a shame because I, I, would, I would like to know my cousins. I would like to have a relationship with my cousins. But that will never happen. It never will happen. It will never happen. My godparents, never, never going to happen. Other aunts and uncles, never going to happen. You know, and it's and it's and it's sad. It's sad that that happens. And and yeah, I I could be sad about it, but like to me, it's like a whatever. You know, it's it's a whatever thing at this point because I've I'm I was okay with it a long time ago. I've never really talked about it like this. But I'm just at a point where I am ready to share. This is my story. I have a right to tell it, and I don't give a from time to time. It's gonna it's gonna involve other people. But it's not about them. This is about me, you know? This is about me feeling the way that I feel. And this is about me conquering those feelings and emancipating myself. And that's what I did Christmas 08. I emancipated myself. I got out of that situation. And it meant losing that entire side of the family. And Christmases and birthdays and all that shit went by without even a word. We didn't exist to them. You're dead to me. I was dead to them. You know, and now it's like, it's tough because like my uncle Steven passed away this year. Rest in peace. You know, he was a really good dude, a really good dude. And I used to love him a lot, but I'll never forget the way that he made me feel one summer camp that I worked, Trinity baseball camp. And it was something that I wanted to do. I hadn't seen him in a long time. This is like 2015, 2014, maybe I reach out. Hey, Uncle Steven, I want to work the camp. First week goes by, great, not a problem, you know? A little bit awkward at first, just because we hadn't seen each other for so long, but kind of just got lost in the baseball part of it and the campers. Second week rolls around. I get to the end of the week. It's time to pay all the camp staff that worked the camp, and he gave everybody their check separately, made me wait around until I was like basically the last one there on the last day, 
and tried to hold it over my head. Like, are you going to talk to your dad? Are you going to see your dad? What's your plan with your dad? And I was like, look, man, I, I can appreciate the fact that it's your brother and you want to do this because you love him, but it's not your business and I'm not doing this with you. And he basically shoved the check in my chest and, and we went our separate ways. And that's the last time I talked to my Uncle Steven, you know? And it's like, he was an awesome coach, friend, mentor, teacher, brother to a lot of different people, a lot of different people. And people always tell you, don't speak ill of the dead. I don't think I'm speaking ill. I'm not, I'm not, being, I'm not being disrespectful. That's not what I'm trying to be either. I'm just saying, when this guy died to me this year, physically died, and I got the news, I was kind of fucked up about it for a minute. I was sad about it, because it was like, wow, I was really close with him at one point. But then I thought, you know what? That guy died to me a long time ago. That whole side of the family did. And that was partly on me, but it's partly on them. They're the adults. They're the ones going, we're too immature and, and we don't want to betray your dad by having a relationship with you, which probably would have made things a lot easier for me. Definitely would have, okay? If I just didn't have this huge void that now I'm left trying to fill with anything because that dominated all the, the Christmases, the Thanksgivings. It was like, go to your mom's to get it out of the way and then you guys are coming here. This is the dinner. This is the place that you need to be. We made all of our decisions around that family. Because the family, it was godfather shit, dude. Straight up. Straight up godfather shit. But my godfather died to me a long time ago. They stopped wanting to be in my life. They stopped caring. And eventually, I stopped reaching out. Because I'm like, I'm tired of, I'm tired of getting, I'm tired of letting myself down. I need to let these people walk. I don't need to beg people to stay in my life. I'm so over that. And this year, I've had to do that with a lot of people as well. When I, and I go back and I, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here talking about the relationship stuff, the percentages, you know, 60-40, 50-50, 70-30 sometimes. But it can't just be 100-0. And to the people this year that I felt never ever hit me up, never just texted me or called me and said, thinking about you, shot me a note, how you doing, how you holding up. People that don't reach out like that, I'm, I'm not going to beg them to stay. And, and 2020 has been such a magnificent year because it's made that really clear to, to, to relationships that I'm, I didn't think that I would be okay letting, letting them walk. But it's all I've ever known. You know what I mean? Going back all my life. That's all I've ever known is like people that don't want to stay and me feeling like I'm not good enough. So it's like, I'm, I'm over that. Fine. Leave. You know what I mean? So that, that, that's where all that comes from. And family is really tough for me for, for all of the reasons that I just laid out, but like so many more that I could go into, but it's just like, I was blackballed for my family. And that really hurt. That really hurt me. And a lot of those feelings of insecurity, not feeling good enough, wanting to escape reality, wanting to feel good. You know, it's like, dude, when someone says, hey, 
smoke this or take a hit of this. It'll make you feel good. And, and you already don't feel good and haven't for a lot of your life. You'll, you'll, you'll do anything. You'll, you'll take anything. You'll try anything. Because you're just trying to escape. You're trying to escape your reality. This is my reality, man. This is real shit. Okay? And I'm, I've processed that. And, and, and being able to speak on it here, I'm processing that. And when I, when I meet writers or I meet people and I have these conversations with them, I'm doing the same thing. It's, it's therapeutic for me. I need to be able to talk about this stuff because it's authentic to me. A lot of this stuff is my why. And a lot of this stuff is the way that I am. Why I have certain views that I do, you know, or certain feelings. You know, when they, like, like you sit down with a therapist and they're like, okay, let's, let's play a word association game. And someone says family. What, what, what do you usually say? Um, love, movies, holidays, sports. You know, mine stopped being all those things a long time ago with, with, with family. Mine became like... <sighs> Uh, backstabber, uh, blackballed, you know, just like whatever, scapegoated. And, and it's just like, fine. If you guys got to tell yourself that to make yourself feel better about yourself, then go for it. Like, I don't, I don't give a fuck. I'll be the bad guy. All right. No one said I'm the hero of the story. I'll be the bad guy from time to time. But I know that that's not real. That's them just projecting and putting shit on me when they don't want to deal with it and, and, and be real with themselves. And, like, I had to deal with that. And I haven't had any contact with that side of the family in over a decade. You know what I mean? Like, and you know what? Like, the thing with my dad, eventually, um, you know, eight years go by. We don't speak at all. And I got to a point where I knew that I was going to leave Kentucky. I knew that I wanted to leave Kentucky. I finished school, haven't talked or seen to my dad in, in a long time, and I said, you know what, I need this. I don't ever want to move out of Kentucky and get 5, 10, 15 years down the road and get that call, that call that we hope we never get, and get that call that's like, your dad passed away. Your dad was in a car wreck. Your dad had a heart attack. Your dad got shot. You know, just fucking anything. I never wanted to get that call because I knew if I didn't resolve this stuff, it would fuck me up later. It would fuck me up later. And eventually I'd be like haunted by the fact that I never was able to say things to my dad or tell my dad I love you again and and, and actually feel mean that and feel that in the sense of hey yeah some bad shit went down you're still my dad and I love you I'm never going to see this, the rest of the family and that was like I, I was willing to come back on my terms and so over the years I've done a couple CrossFit workouts with my dad here and there there was a little bit of time where I was going out to the gym but it was just so far out of the way that it just didn't make sense and I'm like I don't need that because I don't, I don't want that relationship like that I don't need that. I don't need that. I just need to know that we're on good terms and I can live with whatever happens after that because I don't want to get down the road, get that call, and then wish that I had said certain things or resolved this 
You know what I mean? Because that's what happens. It's like you think you want that, but then someone passes away and then you're even more fucked up because you're like, man, I wish I would have told him this or I wish I would have had the opportunity or I wish I would have known. It's like I never want to be haunted by that stuff because I don't live in hindsight. I live rear view mirror. We're pushing forward. You're dead to me. I'm moving on without you. If I got to climb, I'll climb alone. I don't give a fuck. So I'm like, dad, I'm, I'm trying to apply to all these different places, you know, be cool to see you. And I let him know like, hey, yeah, shit went down. I, but I, I don't want, I don't want anything to happen to either of us. I don't want you to die or, or go through the rest of your life thinking that your son hates you. And even though I don't owe that to him, that was just something I wanted to do for myself. He benefited as a byproduct of it, but I literally sat down with my therapist my senior year of, of uh, the University of Kentucky and said, there's three, there's three things, there's three spheres that I want to work on, that I need to work on. My relationship with my mother, my relationship with my father, and intimacy issues that I have with women. These are the three spheres of my life that I need to get better at, that I need to solve, or else... I'm going to keep fucking myself up trying to escape these realities. I need to deal with it. And I need to give myself some real talk in order to do that. And it was hard. Yeah, fuck yeah, it's hard. It's, it's, it's hard to do this just knowing how it might play for some people. But the good is going to outweigh the bad because this isn't, this isn't stuff that people really open up about. This isn't stuff that people feel comfortable sharing with other people. But you know what? That's the reason I do it. I do it because it might help somebody and because it, it, it could potentially save somebody from going down these different paths that I'm on. It's like, dude, you know, one of my big goals this year was to get linked up with Big Brothers Big Sisters. And uh, I've got to be really careful about what I share in terms of, um, you know, stuff about my little brother because he's a minor. But when I speak to his mom and, and she tells me he doesn't have any male figures in his life and yeah, he's got some issues that he's dealing with and they haven't talked to their dad in like three years, but he lives in this really nice house out in Prospect and it's like this thing and um, you know, my boys are growing up without a dad or a big brother or like a big family to lean on and I just like, please just help my son and I'm like, like getting emotional thinking about it because it's like I was that fucking kid. I was that kid doing outbursts and I was that kid being loud and I was that kid getting in trouble and, and, and trying shit before other people because like of course I was fucking of course I was you know what I mean like of course I was and so I was I was I had I I, you know I I was driven to that I wanted to do it I I I just yeah 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 and it all comes full circle and the fact that I'm able to um you know be a big brother to somebody and which is always what I wish that I had and when I do this podcast and when I do these rides, I'm always wishing that I can be what I always wish that I had, you know? My dad, gone. Older cousins that I looked up to, gone. It's like, no shit. I've had to fill that with a lot of different stuff. And, and some of it's been healthy, some of it hasn't been. And it's taken me to some really dark places. But I'm finally in a place where I'm, 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 I'm comfortable talking about it. I don't give a shit what you think of me. I don't need your approval. I don't care if I don't care if it offends you. I'm I'm not trying to do that. I'm not going out of my way to do that. I'm just 
This is me. This is me. This is me. Still the same. They want the hits. I play the game. No auto-tune, but you can feel the pain. It all comes spilling out like a hit of vein. What up, Lil Bruh? What up, Slumville? I hope you know that y'all the reason I have fun still. That's real. That's real as fuck. That's real as fuck. And that's why I share this stuff, man. Because other people go through this, and this isn't something that a lot of people talk about. And the stuff that I did on the on the Christmas special, being bipolar, you know, I I I I don't know anybody. I don't know anybody that's come out and said, and I know I'm friends with like thousands of people, thousands of followers, and 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 connections on social media. I don't see people come out and just straight say point blank, I'm bipolar. Here's what it's like. Here's what I got to deal with. Here's what people don't understand. Here's what people are scared to talk about. It's like, hey, I'm with it. I'm going to own it because that's the only way that we can truly move past our own shit. You guys got to understand that. You guys got to be real with yourselves. That's the only way. And growing up the way that I did, it was always give me the truth. Give me the brutal don't sugarcoat it. I need to know how bad it is. Give me the brutal honesty. That's, that's been my policy. That's why I am the way that I am. Because I had to stand there in court as a 15-year-old and fill out these depositions on EPOs and DVOs and pull my dad off my mom and be the protector for my mom and still do that to this day. In her relationship now, I've had to do that and break up fights. And I've seen the way that Alcohol has complicated things, as it does for everybody. And I'm done doing that. And I'm just like, I'm at a point where I'm just, I'm able to talk about it. And I'm really proud of myself because Christmas is a really tough time for me. Because the holidays are so family-oriented, that can be a really tough reminder every, every, you know, once every year. Like, hey, you don't have this normal thing, you know? You have these really haunting memories and these feelings of just supreme shittiness and depression and that can really throw you out of your loop it can man and it and it almost did it tried to shit it tried to this year you know what i mean but i'm in a better place i made better decisions and when shit started to pop off around dinner time at christmas with the family that i do see i was like i'm out i want to i want to remember this day as 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 how good it was not for uh, this this shitty feeling. I don't want to feel shitty. And so I left. I emancipated myself. And Christmas 08 was was really the first time that I ever did that. And I tell you what, man, when I when I walked past that street sign in Dublin, I would look at that thing and go, that's me. That's literally me. I mean, even in college, man, I'm not going to spend cuz now we're like really really getting <laughs> deep into this podcast. Um this is like, you know, the Godfather's like, you know, almost three hours long. This is like a Godfather podcast. This is the Godfather of all my podcasts right here. Um, you know, I got blackballed from my fraternity when I transferred into UK. First semester, I went and played college football up at Thomas More. Shout out. That was fun. Broke my ankle towards the end of the season. Alcohol-related issue. Fucking dumb. Fell off a balcony, jumping in my house, trying to prove something to somebody that ultimately, I, I don't have to prove anything to anybody, but I hadn't learned that lesson yet. So break my ankle, uh, falling off a balcony in my house, uh, felt bad thinking about 
him not getting able, being able to go to this game. So I just walked on an obviously broken ankle for um, a couple hours until the third quarter when the pain was so unbearable that I was like, dude, I need to get to a hospital. Sure enough, yeah, it's broken. That was how my freshman um, first semester in college ended. You know, that was the end of my football career. So, uh, finished the semester on crutches, transfer into UK, first semester there, rush, I'm ATO, I'm the pledge class president. 2012 was the year that they had Anthony Davis, Michael Kidd Gilchrist, a lot of other guys. It was a great fucking team. Won the national championship. And I'm on State Street in the middle of a riot, looking around going, this is college. Holy shit. (laughs) This is why I left Thomas More. You know what I mean? Like, I wanted this experience. And I got it. Oh, I got it. I overdosed on it. I was partying like a fucking animal. Because I grew up idolizing, you know, it's like the reason that I talk about like having different father figures and like these different older guys that I've always looked up to. One of those guys is Tucker Max. His writings and his work, I idolized it when I was in high school because I was like, this guy's fucking awesome, you know? And I didn't have anybody to be like, hey, yeah, he's funny, he's awesome, but like you shouldn't also be trying to mimic this stuff. And I did for a while because I was just trying to forge my own identity. And I would, I would, I had some epic fucking stories, but like sometimes I would try to be getting those stories and going out of my way to do that stuff. And my freshman year when I got to fucking UK and the parties were nonstop, the basketball team was so good, uh, I wasn't really doing my work, my, my schoolwork. And I went, by midterms, I had like a 2.2 GPA. And, and I had also, like, gotten too drunk one night at a, at a uh, you know, a party, and I was like, oh, listen to this, listen to this. I literally told some of the actives, I want to be hazed. I was like, I don't want to be just another pussy. Like, make me earn it, goddammit. I need the pain. Give me the pain. And I think that probably freaks some dudes out. Um, also, I just, like, I, you know, I'm just a polarizing guy. People either love me and fuck with me. And would do anything for me. Or people hate me. Because they they hate themselves really. And maybe they have legitimate reasons. I've definitely given people legitimate reasons to hate me. But like for the most part. It's, 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 it's me representing something that they resent. Uh, either about themselves or the way that I am. And, and they just like. They don't fuck with me. And that's cool. Like I got haters. Like fuck y'all. You know. You push me. But. Um, I definitely had a split crowd amongst ATO. And at midterms. When I had a 2.2 GPA, they saw it as their opportunity to go ahead and say, all right, we're going to go ahead and cut ties. Even though I was the PCP, even though my pledge class fucked with me, and I love those guys, a lot of them to this day, they were like, no, nope. So they black, they blackballed me. They, they balled me. They kicked me out. And um, because it was officially four grades, okay, I didn't, I didn't, you know, <laughs> what's ironic is later on they had a pledge that fucking killed a kid at UK and then they got kicked off campus. So things come full circle, you know what I mean? But mine was academic, the official reason. I had a 2.2 GPA. They saw it as an opportunity. They're like, all right, we're going to go ahead and cut ties. So I said, hey, guys, I'm, I'm embarrassed. I've, I've never had, um, you know, this poor of a performance. I want to prove to you guys that I can be the person that I said I was going to be. I can be that guy. 
Yeah, fuck yeah, I can. I can get my grades up, and I'm going to prove it. So next semester, fall of um, my sophomore year, I'm going to go out, and I'm going to get my grades, and I'm going to get the grades that I need, and I'm going to come back in the spring of the next semester, and I'm going to re-rush again, and will you guys let me do that? They said, yep, if you get your grades up, and you come back out in the spring a year from now, then yeah, we'll give you another bid, and you can start this process over. And you know what? I was willing to do that. I was willing to do that. And so you know what I did? I went out the next semester, got really serious about my grades, and I got a 3.4 GPA, which really pissed me off because I was only a little bit off of the dean's list. I was barely right there at the dean's list, 2.2 to a 3.4, and I'm thinking, man, I feel really proud. I did exactly what I said I was going to do. I I was the person I said I was going to be. That's the fall of my sophomore year. I come back out in the spring, just like I said I was going to. And here's what happened. I went through that entire week, obviously knowing all of these guys, and now the guys that are hanging around the house are like guys that were like pledges the fall class my freshman year, guys that I pledged with, younger guys that I don't even know that's like talking to me like, so what's up, bro? What are you into? And I'm just like, God damn it, the frivolity of all of it. I went through that entire week wearing the stupid fucking name tag, having the same conversation, playing the game. I was playing the game. Get to the end of the week. And it went to a meeting. It went to a meeting amongst ATO. Hey, do we want to have this guy back in? Do we want to give him a bid? And you know what happened? The guys that stuck up for me, I'll never forget them. And I, and, and I still call them brother. And those are my fucking guys. But as if this isn't absolutely true in the sense that I am a polarizing guy and people either love me or hate me, there were actives that literally were piece of shit actives, never showed up to anything, never did anything, never, you know what I mean, maybe just like through parties every once in a while, but like didn't, were not involved whatsoever, couldn't tell you the last time that they were at a meeting. Guys crawled out of the woodwork to come to this fucking meeting where this was going to be discussed and voted to keep me out and spoke against me, okay? And it went to a vote and those guys had it and I didn't get a bid. And you know what? That was the very beginning of the spring semester, my sophomore year. Was I pissed off? Yeah, absolutely. Because I was like, I felt like, why am I being punished for for doing what I said I was going to do. Like, I did it. Like, I kept my end of the bargain. Like, why aren't you guys respecting that? But you know what? Instead of getting depressed about it, instead of letting it spiral out of control, it was exactly what I needed. Because I said, good, good. Fuck you guys. I can't wait to prove you wrong. Thank you for giving me that juice. And so then I went out that spring semester and I did make the dean's list for the first time. And I made it a couple more times. I actually finished my last semester at UK on dean's list. And I got an epic picture with me and this goofy looking dean of the college. And I'm just like, what's popping? And 
I made Dean's list like multiple times over. And and by the way, like I became a cat's tutor. So I literally got paid to tutor student athletes in journalism, sociology and um, uh, business writing classes. You know what I mean? By the time that's that's how I finished. I started off. Yeah. Shitty. Yeah. You know, I'm this kid that's dealt with all this bullshit in his life that's getting to college for the first time, a real, real college experience, and the team is winning, and I'm just fucking flailing, and I have no clue what to do, you know, no foundation. So yeah, it it didn't turn out great that semester, but over the course of the next several years, I make the dean's list that sophomore semester, my my, uh, sophomore year in the spring, and then... I go on, and that's when I started taking a lot of internships. And dude, by the time I had graduated college, I had I had shadowed my friends that worked in the local television stations. I never did an internship with the local television station, but I walked right into the offices at ESPN 1300 in Lexington and said, I will work for free. I just need experience. Please hire me. They said, you know what? You need to talk to this guy, Eric Matthews. He has been talking about getting an intern. It'll be perfect. And of course, I was the bitch boy that did the work that no one wanted to do, that you do when you're an intern at a sports radio station. A lot of cutting up audio, transcribing audio, but I also had access to the studio where I could go and I, I, should, I should play for you guys some of my earliest files from, from that time. But that's like my sophomore and junior year. You know, I'm doing that. And I, I, and I created that opportunity for myself. I literally just said, hey, I want to do this. What do I need to do, you know? Let me prove it to you guys. And I interned there at the ESPN radio affiliate. I, uh, I wrote for the school newspaper. I did UK in the NFL. That was like my beat. So every week, um, one season, I would, uh, or one, I guess, you know, one semester, I would, uh, you know, write little recaps of the University of Kentucky football players that were now in the NFL. Like, I still have those, you know, and I still have the newspapers that I have from my senior year of high school. You know, I keep all that shit. I'm just, I'm weird like that. But like, that meant something to me. And I was getting good grades. I switched from, from uh, I, I ended up double majoring in sociology and journalism. But at that point, I had just been doing sociology because I was so... I was so fascinated with life. I needed to have these answers, these questions, these things that I was seeking for. I needed to try and like, like just like make sense of my life to that point. And sociology was amazing for that. And, um, you know, eventually I switched to journalism, but I had so many credits already in Soch that it was like I, I, I got to double major. Um, and then I started doing all the upper division journalism courses um, I did a media relations internship with the Louisville Bats uh, between, I think, my junior and senior year of college. And then I was up in the press box and like uh, doing game stories. And there was like, a, a, you know, like four or five of us. We would do different stuff. But like my favorite thing that I did when I was interning with the Bats was I created this segment called Friday Favorites. And it was like little podcast episodes, basically. You know, 15, 20, sometimes 10-minute conversations with different guys that played for the Bats where I would ask them, what's your favorite thing to order at In-N-Out? What's your favorite movie to watch on a rainy Sunday day? What's your favorite thing to whatever? You know, whatever. It was just Friday Favorites. And, And we used to do that as ATOs used to be this really active thing that uh, a lot of guys would do on, on Fridays, Friday favorites, you know? 
and I took that and I used that and and I was like you know went above and beyond as an intern creating these things that that I then put on SoundCloud back then 2014 you know still kind of a relatively new thing but um uh, the, uh, the the greatest thing for me was exposure because the team would tweet that stuff out from from the account. These guys would be like, hey, you, you know, send it to their friends or their family. Hey, you got to hear this interview because it wasn't like any other interview that I'm doing where I'm like this local media prick or like uh, hardo that's like asking them about, hey, I, I noticed when you uh, turned two there, or you uh, kind of pivoted weird. Is that something new? You like, no, 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 no. Like, hey, what's your what's your favorite memory? Like, tell me about your favorite photo in your phone. You know what I mean? And then those guys fucked with me. And I and I and and I think my boss at the time, um, I don't think that he 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 wasn't a huge fan of me. And I think it was because I was so cool with a lot of the players. And I think that he was envious of that relationship that I had with them. And he was just like the kind of media relations nerd in their eyes. But I was just like this this dude that was doing these interviews that guys were having fun with. And I and and I don't think he liked that very much. So I never really got an opportunity to further my career with the bats, and he's since moved on and everything. And like, if I saw him tomorrow, I'd be like, "What's up, man? Like, thanks for letting me do that, even if you don't really like me that much. Like, thanks a lot. You know what I mean?" Um, but like, I did that internship, and then by the time I was a senior in college, I was hosting my own radio show. I had worked with the student radio station that we had at UK, and had gone through the training in order to get my own show, and they gave me a Sunday morning, 9 to 10 a.m. slot, and I literally built a team of um, Nick Jordan, who that now is like a social media savant in minor league baseball and is running the department where he's at, and Haley Minogue, who's on, um, you know, has, has become like a morning time anchor here in Louisville on WHAS, amazing, and my friend Kyle O'Daniel, who I interned with, uh, going back to the ESPN 1300 days. And um, it was like this team that I built and put together who have gone on to do great things. And it's like, wow, I did that. And I was a senior in college finishing on the dean's list and tutoring student athletes at UK. How it started versus how it finished. Holy fucking shit. You see what I mean? Like, you see what I'm capable of? Like, when I'm on and I'm focused... And I have some people that I need to prove wrong. It's incredible what I'm going to accomplish. And I, I did all of that on my own. You know what I mean? Like I did all of that on my own. And um, the reason that I went into that tangent is because once again, in my fraternity, I had this big life-shaping experience where I was blackballed. I was told, you're not good enough. And I felt that, and that was real to me. And I had people that didn't want me there. And I had people that I had to prove wrong. But it was nothing new to me, because at that point, I'd already been blackballed for my family. So I'm like, this is just a fucking same shit, different year. You know what I mean? And that's something that I, even to this day, it's like the, the guys at 680, you know, Sweeney, him ghosting me in the, in the middle of the pandemic and not getting back to me when I spent hours putting together that demo reel, that was good enough. I'm good enough to be there. I'm good enough to be a producer there. I listened to the guys. I, I, I'm good enough to have my own show there if, I, if, if, if he had any, any, any clue. You know what I mean? But it's like, yo, thanks for giving me that because now I, now I can prove you the fuck wrong and make you look dumb as shit, which you are for how you treated me. Okay? And... 
now I've stumbled onto the path that I was supposed to be on. Like it was always supposed to happen this way. It was always supposed to happen this way. And uh, it's a beautiful thing. Because now that I have all of this shit and I have these people and I have this motivation, watch what I go out and do. Watch the run that I put together. It's going to be fucking incredible. And me being able to talk about this stuff, about these things with my mom and my dad and my family, I can't do that and I can't be real about that stuff and I can't expect to get where I'm trying to go if I don't get over this stuff and talk about this stuff. And so that's that's where I'm at, man. That's where I'm at. So <laughs> that gives you a pretty uh, revealing kind of account of, you know, my life. But um, a lot of that stuff, the reason that it's, that it's, it, it, it just, it had to be that way, you know? It had to be that way. But I feel really fucking good. I feel like, like emotionally just like, <sighs> I feel really good. I feel really good after all that because yeah, man, Christmas, Thanksgiving, and it's like, you know, I, I'm, I'm like, I say holidays can be tough for people, and people that have grown up never knowing divorce or abuse or substance abuse, alcohol abuse, feeling like you're not good enough, you know, I, I, somebody that comes from a big, loving, caring, happy family, it's tough to me, I can appreciate that, but it's like, I, I can't really buy that. I don't really buy that. You know, like, what are you not telling me? You know, because appearances aren't everything. So there's definitely other stuff. But like, I can't really relate to that. Like, my holidays look a different way. And every year that goes by, I'm reminded of these relationships that I once had that I now don't. These people who are dead to me. And these people that I sometimes wish that I had a relationship with, but just know that it's never going to happen and have accepted that and accepted that a long time ago. And now I'm moving on. And you know what? You know what's funny is like, maybe maybe this gets back to one of them and they hear it and and they think, oh my God, how could you say that? You're dead to me. Oh, that's so mean. It's like, save me the fucking bullshit. Spare me the fucking bullshit because where your ass was at, dog? Where your ass was at when people wouldn't feed me? Where your ass was at I like, 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 where are you at? You know what I mean? Where are you at? I find myself asking myself that to a lot of people this year. Had people that I've had to let go of and that maybe come back, maybe don't. But what is it to me? You know, I'm over begging people to stay in my life. And, and, and you say something like, oh, Christmas is really traumatic for me. Well, why? You know, and it's like, uh, I don't I don't know if I want to go there. You know what I mean? But now I'm going there. Now I went there. I took it there, you know? And this is my reality. This is my reality. These are the things that I deal with. So that's my Christmas. Um, those are past Christmases. I guess since I'm here, should I go ahead and 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 get into like a couple of other Christmases? I, I just have a couple other Christmas stories um that I want to get to, but um yeah, I'll go ahead and tell them because they're pretty savage. They're pretty savage. Kind of funny. Um, in 2015, I had moved out to um, California later in the year and uh, worked for a liquor and wine distributor. So, OND, October, November, December, all those big months 
are their busiest time of the year. So you just couldn't take any time off. And I only had like a couple of days around Christmas, you know, whatever day it fell on that plus the weekend or whatever. And um, I didn't have time to spend a day each way flying back to Kentucky. So my family flew out and met me in Las Vegas for Christmas 2015. And it was savage. We stayed at the Aria and I have these videos of uh, like the goodies that I brought. It's hilarious. I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to play it so you guys can see it. But this is like a video that I took spanning all the stuff that I brought and then like looking at the room and my brother, he sticks his hand up and he's like, yeah. And, and my parents are like looking like, oh God, you know, that's an epic video. Here, I'll go ahead and play it for you right now. So we got six brownies, six bottles, four vape cartridges, blunts, five grams, and a happy motherfucking family. <laughs> savage, savage, okay? I mean, walking through the lobby on Christmas Eve, and we're going out to dinner, my sister using a fake ID, and then we see this Asian guy who is so fucking wasted, he is having trouble standing up. And I still have this video. I'll play this video for you too. Because he can barely stand. And he's like swaying and he's looking confused. Literally all these people. We're in the middle. We're on the floor. I, I Actually, I'm surprised that like a pit boss or somebody didn't come over and kick him out. Because he was literally that drunk. Because people are walking by looking at him. He was a human spectacle. And... I take this video and you can hear my stepdad going, where is this place? Because we were looking for the place to eat. And this guy, I guess, thought we were talking to him and we were all standing around him just kind of laughing. And he starts like falling back. He realizes I'm taking this video. And here's his reaction. Where is this place? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> savage savage it's sin city man it's sin city but uh yeah we we just basically hung out in the sports book all day drank all night uh, the breakfast buffet on christmas day just incredible you know incredible um but that was uh that was uh christmas in vegas 2015 and that was just like you know just smoking and drinking and hanging out with the fam and going out in Vegas and that was fun as shit but that was that was pretty savage um I outdid myself the next year in 2016 we like I said we usually go skiing in Deer Valley uh for Christmas but this year we did half the week skiing and then the, the second half of the week we went to Los Angeles I know pretty sick right um and so we're staying in Santa Monica we hung out in Malibu we're on Venice Beach Actually, Christmas Eve, my brother and I, you know, we we went down, we lifted at Muscle Beach, like a really, really famous uh, landmark tourist spot, and it was awesome. Like, you know, I'm just getting a workout in on Venice Beach. I, I don't know. It was really fucking cool, right? Shopped on Rodeo Drive, and we go out that night, like Christmas Day or Christmas Eve or, or one of those, but anyways... Um, my mom insisted that we go to church. She's like, oh, we have to go to church on Christmas. We have to do it. We have to do it. And I'm, look, like, my relationship with God is like, 
I I hope he's up there. Sometimes I do pray to one, but I don't believe in just like the white Jesus or like a Catholic God. I believe in a universal being and spirituality. I believe in, like I want to believe in, in some kind of a God that, you know, there's there's a heaven and a hell, sure. Um, but then you know, there's like also a part of me that's like, oh, people die and then your body decomposes and then that, that life forgets about you and moves on. You know what I mean? So like it's, I struggle with that. Um, but I don't, I've never liked going to Catholic mass, A, because it's too long, but B, because I used to get, like, like church is traumatic for me, you know, like my relationship with God has been complicated because of how many beatings I had to take getting yanked out of church for being a fucking kid told to sit still when I can't do that. It's like impossible, you know? And there was just no patience for the way that I was as a kid. So my dad would yank me out. And a lot of times, like, uh, my memories of church are, are that, you know. It's, it's, it's not learning and stuff. It's, it's like this really tough thing that I had to fucking deal with, you know. So I don't like going because, A, I, I believe that my relationship with God is not based on attendance. Okay, first of all. Second of all, I don't want to be have to told and, and do something against my will. I, I've, I've emancipated myself, goddamn it, years ago, so I don't have to do this if I don't want to do it, you know what I mean? But because it's Christmas, because it's my mother, what am I going to say? What am I going to do? So we go, and I am dehydrated, I'm hungover, I'm not feeling well, my, I, I just, I, those three things alone, you know? It's a Catholic mass, we're standing, we're sitting, we're standing, we're sitting, we had picked out, she had found this Catholic church in Los Angeles that was close enough to us that we went to. We didn't know anybody. We just went as a family. And, you know, I'm sure that church drop-ins are, are probably a pretty normal thing, especially on holidays, right? What was unnormal about this, what was abnormal about this, was that here we are, these strangers in this fucking congregation, okay? <laughs> There is an old woman who is sitting in front of me, in the pew in front of me, and she's so old that as we're standing and sitting and singing and standing and two lines here and sit back down, and she's so old that she hasn't even bothered. She hasn't gotten down on the little pew thing to kneel and pray. She hasn't stood up. She's just sitting the whole time, you know? She's got this cane resting near her on the, on the bench. And her family's around her, and they're doing all this stuff, but, like, she's that old, okay? Well, eventually, during the service, I go to stand up. When we have to stand up, I get lightheaded, I'm dehydrated, I don't feel good, I'm low on sleep, and I passed out, and I fell forward. I fainted in the middle of church, in the middle of this fucking song. And when I did, I fell forward. I was leaning against the pew. I can remember looking at my veins in my hands and my hands trembling, gripping this bench. And then the next thing that I remember was paramedics in the pew, all these people looking at me. And I don't know how long later that was because it's not like they were just probably on hand. I don't know. And they were attending to me and also this old woman who, me passing out, I fall forward, she's sitting right in front of me, and I headbutt this old lady, 
just a pound of bricks just coming down, dropping, and she broke my fall. This little old fucking woman with gray hair and a cane hasn't stood the whole mass. I fall forward and headbutted her as I pass out and fall to the ground. And so now when I wake up and come to, the paramedics are attending to me and they're also looking at her head. There's, there's, I'm like looking at this guy with purple gloves on, you know, looking through her hair to see if she has any cuts or anything. And she didn't. She was fine. But it was like, holy shit, I just passed out in church. And we literally just like walked in and set off a grenade because these people probably kind of know each other if they're going to church every single weekend and week out. And here are these outsiders from Kentucky. <laughs> and these fucking savages that go out on Christmas Eve and, and, and get faded on vodka and Red Bull and then come into church and pass out on, on grandma. You know what I mean? That was crazy. That was crazy. And uh, yeah, I, I had to go to the hospital on Christmas Day 2016 and go get a bag. I got an IV bag to bring me back to health. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for that. I fucking love that service. We have one here, uh, you know. So anytime you're feeling dehydrated, go get a bag, you know. Rehydrate yourself. It's important, okay. Otherwise, you might end up passing out and headbutting grandma on Christmas Day mass, okay. Um but yeah, I, I needed that. Uh, that was that was pretty. That was an experience. Um, we went to a Lakers game the next day, and I got to see Raymond Felton, who was playing for the Clippers at the time. It was Battle of Los Angeles, so got to go to the Staples Center. All in all, it was a pretty dope trip. Skiing and then being on the beach in Malibu. Um, yeah, but but it was also super savage in that, and it was like one of those moments where I was like, damn, like I need to take better care of myself because I just like really caused a scene and this is fucking on 10 this is like on a thousand actually that's crazy and then uh <laughs> the last story um that i want to get to is uh something that i've talked about before i've talked about it in interviews before with people um but dude a year ago i mean it's just crazy a year ago on christmas eve i was leaving the bars you know kind of just like in that savage mode again it's like you know, why am, I dr- why am I drinking to excess on Christmas Eves? You know, now you know why. You know, now, now you understand maybe and can appreciate, you know, where I'm coming from before you fucking judge me and just throw me away. You know what I mean? Um, 2019, Christmas Eve. I'm coming home from the bars. I'm with a best friend of mine. We've got two girls with us that... I don't know where the night was going to go, but I know that we were headed home to go and smoke, and I don't know what else, okay? But we're coming home on River Road. Neither of us are, like, blacked out, probably shouldn't have been driving, okay? We had met friends for a couple drinks, and then we went to Barbarella and literally stayed there dancing and hanging out, and since I was driving, and since he had his car there, it, we, we, you know, yeah, we were probably around the legal limit, okay, maybe a little bit over, <laughs> I plead the fifth, okay, uh, but like, we would have been okay, we weren't drinking to get like super fucked up, we were just we were just hanging out. We were just dancing. It was more about the dancing and making out with the girls on the dance floor. You know what? On Christmas Eve. That's what you do. That's what you do. But we're coming home down River Road. He's in front of me. I got the girls in my car. 
We're both probably going faster than we should have been. A deer jumps out in front of his car. He swerves to avoid it. He ends up hitting the guardrail. I'm like, I'm behind him at this point, you know, and all of a sudden, I'm kind of like changing the song or whatever, and then I see sparks flying up. Like, I see these sparks in this darkness, because there's no lights on parts of River Road. I just see these these sparks coming off of the guardrails, and then I see his car spinning out, and I barely have enough time to react, but I don't swerve out of the way. I just hit the brakes, and I just stay straight, and I'm like, if there's a God, please help me now, okay? Because I didn't want to swerve and do the same thing that he did, and it, it's a miracle that I avoided his car, but... I, you know, he, I see him go off to the left, he hits this thing, and then he spins off to the right, comes back across the road, right? And I'm continuing down, I come to a complete stop further down the road, and I have to just stop. And I'm like, trying to mentally prepare myself. The girls are like, Ben, where, where is he? What happened? What happened? I'm like, I don't know. Uh, and I'm mentally preparing myself in that moment for what I think is going to be me walking up on on my friend and, and he's going to be dead. Because there's no way, there's no way that what I just saw, the sparks, the car flipping, all that shit, there's no way that that is going to have a good outcome. I'm, it took me a minute because I thought that I was going to have to pull my friend out of the car or 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 worse you know <laughs> well I get out after a minute I I, I kind of like okay all right it's time I need to I need to go I need to go look I get out and this guy is walking down the fucking street like a legend going well that was dumb first thing that comes out of his well that was dumb I'm like oh my God, I cannot believe this guy's walking down right now. We, we, we both got super lucky, dude. We both got super lucky. He had swerved to avoid the deer. I, 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 I didn't have anywhere to go, and I knew if I swerved, it was going to be bad, so I just had to just stay straight. Debris flying off of his car ended up totaling mine because shit bounced up and hit my engine, and that was just a disaster. I had a pop tire and some body damage, but like my car didn't get like like totaled in the sense that the body was mangled and everything. It was totaled because my engine was fucked. His car was totaled. Like it you can't even you don't even know what you're looking at. It's so fucked up. And you think the person that was in this, there's no way they lived to tell the story of it. Yeah, they did. They walked down the street and all he had was a gash in his hip where the guardrail literally cut through his car like a fucking knife. And dude, I'm telling you, if there was a moment that ever made me question my faith or, or confirm my faith in a God, it was this moment. Because his seat, his driver's seat, turned in ever so slightly. It makes no sense. But his seat came off of the tracks and turned away towards the passenger side in the middle of the car, 
And if it hadn't have done that, the guardrail that came in and cut him and that required some stitches and, and had a nice little bloody gash and took a chunk out of his skin right there probably comes through the car if his st- seat stays straight and probably cuts him at the waist and probably, like, decapitates his, his legs, Loki. Like, like, probably happens. Probably threatens his life. He's definitely not walking down the street. That's for damn sure. So I called an Uber for the girls. I, I, I called an Uber for us. We left our cars there. We got um, right to the emergency room. And I spent Christmas 2019, Christmas Eve, Christmas morning 2019 in the ER room. Watching him getting stapled up, stitched up, whatever it was. He told his parents that day, obviously, hey, I'm in the hospital. Like, like that night, you know what I mean? And... Um, I had to, you know, I, I took an Uber home from the hospital, um, at like, I don't know, three, four in the morning, whatever it was, five in the morning. I mean, crazy late, man. It was, it was, the sun was up when I fucking got an Uber home. I mean, that was how, how early in the morning it was. It, it, you know, and, um, it was a miracle. I mean, it was honestly a miracle. I, I didn't tell my parents until the day after Christmas. I'm like, I don't. I don't want to ruin Christmas, you know what I mean? Like, I want them to have this nice day, and I don't want to have, oh my God, you were in this car accident and scared the shit out of us, and like, by the way, like, now we're going to have to get a new car, and like, that's how I ended up getting the Equus, was because the Altima that I was driving, you know, I, I couldn't avoid this car accident, and it sucked, and and we got super lucky, man. I got super lucky. And I've never shared who, you know, who who I was doing that with, and and I never will. And it's just one of those things. But like, I that was Christmas Eve for me, 2019. That was my reality. That was my reality. Hey, I I got in a car crash. You know, it was really serious. I almost lost my friend, and uh, it was scary. It was scary enough. And and from that point on, from that point on, I said no more. I'm not doing this shit anymore because look where it almost got me. I mean, I, I could be dead, you know? And I said, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not going to have this year anymore. So I'm going to make some pretty big changes. I'm going to lay off. <laughs> I'm going to lay off drinking for a while after that. That'll scare you straight. That'll scare you sober. And uh, I'm going to make some pretty big changes this year. And you know what? I did. And I followed through on them all. And I'm the same person that I said I was going to be today that I said I was going to be a year a year ago. That's real. That's real. You know, but, but that was my reality. So, I'm looking ahead at goals for 2021. And I've got a few. I've got a few. I got a, pl- I, I got a couple places that I need to go. I, ne- I got a couple places I need to get to. And I have a couple places that you're goddamn right I'm going to get to, okay? Um, because, <laughs> let me tell you a quick st- New Year's story. The only one that I'm going to tell you, okay? Uh, once upon a time, I used to live in the Bay Area. Have I mentioned that? Have I told you that? And between jobs, when I worked for the liquor distributor, and then eventually I was working at a company called Wanger that sold music and performing arts equipment, um, you know, there was like a little overlap between me finishing my last two weeks with Southern 
and then starting training with the new company at the beginning of 2017. And I flew out to Owatonna, Minnesota, January 2nd, 2017. But how I spent New Year's Day 2017, um, right after you know, passing out in that church, Christmas 2016. Now I'm like, um, you know, the 2017 was was uh, the year that I took the job with Winger and and moved, and that was a brand new year for me. But I had to pack up all of my stuff. I had to because my uh, my the house that I was getting the 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 apartment that I was going to be living in wasn't ready for me yet, and I couldn't move in yet. But I was going to be in Minnesota for three weeks at the beginning of January, so I did. I like I wasn't going to be able to move in when it was ready, so I had to pack up all of my stuff from the place that I was at in San Jose, rent a U-Haul storage unit, rent a big U-Haul truck, pack up all my shit by myself, and put it in the storage unit. And I'm hustling, man. It's it's only me. I'm moving out all my stuff, my bed, boxes. All this stuff. And and that's like, I just took it upon myself because I'm like, this is the life that I've chosen. Sometimes I'm going to have to do things alone. And and that is the greatest lesson that I think I ever had to teach myself is like, or that I've ever had to learn is like, you're going to have to do some shit alone. And sometimes when you make big boy or big girl moves, you're going to have to do shit on your own. There is nobody to call. You've got to do it for yourself. You've got to save yourself. And so I literally was doing this big hustle shuffle Grabbing the U-Haul, driving it over, packing it up, packing it, unpacking it, uh, returning it. I checked myself into a hotel room that night, and then the next morning, I took an Uber to the airport, and I flew out, and I was in Owatonna, Minnesota for three weeks. It was miserable. It was so fucking cold, but that was the beginning of 2017, and, and, I, and I just love that story, and I, and I love remembering that. Because that was the ultimate, like, no one else is coming to do this for you. You know, like, if you want things in life, sometimes you're going to have to be prepared to do them alone and start that challenge alone. And and that's where we were a couple years ago. So, like, I bring up all this stuff because I, I, I guess I'm just, like, I'm just reflecting, you know, I'm using this as a moment to reflect and just kind of take some time to think back at where we've been and where we're headed because... Now I, I've got these goals for 2021, and for the podcast, um, I want to continue putting out quality content, improving as a storyteller, and keeping it real, keeping it authentic with myself. Growing this show, I'd like to have there's certain numbers that I'm going for on, you know, the number of people listening per week, the number of people listening per episode, number of people that have liked stuff on social media, like the Facebook page and stuff like that. I want to be doing two. Two hours a week, two to three hours a week, but ideally two hours a week that I spend and block off just reaching out to potential guests, you know, so that I could do, you know, if I had what I needed, like a producer and a and a, uh, a guest booker, you know, I could do three episodes a week. I could do the Uber Stories Wednesdays. I could do long-ranging interviews on Fridays, and Mondays could just be like whatever I want to talk about, you know what I mean? Um and eventually I'll probably ramp up and get there once I get a guest booker, you know? Uh, but like when it's just me reaching out, I, I only have so many hours in the day. But I would like to spend and start spending at least two hours per week. That's all I'm doing is just reaching out to people and, and just researching and looking up guests that I want to bring on. 
Because it's not like I just have this list of people off the top of my head. You know what I mean? I got I to gotta find these people. Um, continue adding additional sponsorships. That's a big one. That's a big one. My driving goals for 2021, uh, 40 rides a week and no accidents. You know what I mean? Let's stay accident free. And I, I'm, I'm a good driver. You know what I mean? Like, uh, but, but yeah, no accidents, 40 rides a week, personal goals, continuing to be consistent, um, in my relationships, in my diet, in my exercise, in things that I'm doing to make myself feel good and removing myself from situations that, that I don't think are going to make me feel good or not hanging out with certain people, being around certain people, giving my, giving my time and energy to certain people. No self-defeats. No self-defeats. We're done defeating ourselves. I want to read 12 books this year. I want to read a book per month. Uh, when I get into a book, I can, dude, I, I'm an excellent reader. I am. Uh, I used to read all the time as a kid. And um, I've begun to read again, something that, that I did every once in a while, but I feel like a lot of times I'd be just reading social media, reading stuff on my iPad or something. And I'm like, no, I want a fucking book that I can write in the margins and I can like really make mine. So I want to read 12 books this year. Uh, a big goal for me last year was to get linked up with Big Brothers, Big Sisters, get approved and go through that process. Now that that's done, now that I've been matched, um, a big goal for me this year is just to really have a, a, a great experience and be a great mentor to my little brother. Um, you know, not only my little brother in the program, but also my other little brothers and my little sister. And like, just be a big brother to people, to writers that I meet. You know what I mean? Like, just... Be an exemplary person. An ex yeah, I think I said that word right. Uh, there we go. Uh, be present in my relationships. You know, really listen to somebody and notice things and, and be present in these relationships. Um, how do I do that? Usually it's a couple of good phone calls a week with people, you know, and there's certainly people that, uh, relationships that require more maintenance that, that I'll probably end up calling more and talking to. Then there's other ones that you, you know, you just check in every once in a while and every couple months and, and it's good, you know, but, uh, I want to be present in my relationships, something that I feel that I do pretty well, but, but still I write it down because it's just a reminder to myself and, and maybe to you too, be present in your relationships, you know? Um, and, uh, this one's really big for me. Be the most loving, caring, supportive boyfriend that I can be. And I think I do a pretty good job of that. But uh, that's something I want to continue to do. Weight loss goals. My big thing is just fitting back into all the t-shirts. I have some dope threads that I haven't been able to rock in years, in years. But I'm finally fitting into some of them. On January 1st, I'd like to weigh 220 pounds. I'm going to do an official weigh-in the second on Saturday after CrossFit. And I, I've already weighed in at 219 unofficially last weekend. So I'm going to be right there and I'll hit that goal. And then I'll, I'll have hit my goals that I hit at three, three months, six months, and then seven months is the end of 2020. On, uh, I'd like to be 220 on 1-1. On 4-1-2021, I'd like to be at 205, at or under 205, a lean 205. And at 7-1... I'd like to continue to have been losing weight, toning up. And like, I'm not going to get caught up on the number. I, I, I wrote down 195. Um, 
you know, I think my sweet spot is really between like 190 and 200, uh, maybe 205. I, you know, and if I'm, you know, I'm a muscular dude, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of on. I've always been on the heavier side, and so I'm not gonna trip out if I look good and things fit me, and I don't have to be like self-conscious about how shirts are gonna look or do I have titties or not. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's it's muscle. You know, it's muscle. I'm a hunk. So um, I'm not going to trip out too much about that number, but that's like, I do have goals as I'm losing weight, and I've been hitting those over the last seven months, down about, you know, if I weigh in at 220, I'm going to be down 43 pounds, you know what I mean? And I weighed in at 219, so I was down 44 pounds um, a week ago. So uh, the number is not the most important thing, the process is, and I just want to be fitting into all my, all my shirts. That's it. My nice clothes, my jackets, my suits, my suits that I haven't been able to wear in years, you know? Peep my fucking fit from 2017 Derby. Looks fresh as fuck. I want to be able to fit back into that because that is like, that was like at the peak. That was kind of like peak for me. It, it, it all started going downhill after Derby 17. Um, and so one of my goals this year, and it doesn't, it doesn't matter if it happens to me or not, I have got a question mark next to it because I'm just starting to run, um, you know, serious miles, like serious distances per week now. And I've, I'm fixing my body. I got the Theragun, so I'm feeling good. But if I start to continue to ramp up and I'm running more than three miles three times a week, I might start to seriously consider training for the half marathon and be ready for that in April, at the end of April when they do it, right before the Derby. And you know what? If I don't do it then, I'd like to, at some point, get back to that, run a half marathon. Because for years and years and years, as I felt overweight and like I was a piece of shit, running's always the thing that has kept me, kept me like feeling like an athlete and feeling like I can beat it, I can take it, I can fucking run past this shit. And, and completing my first half marathon was life-changing for me. And that was Derby 17, you know? Uh, but then everything after that kind of sucked. and that There's a million different reasons for that that we don't have to get into now. But to get back to that point and to get a medal and be like, have climbed back to where I was, but now I'm really enjoying what I'm doing and I'm feeling good about all these different things and like, it's I've done it in a healthy way. Huh. That's going to be an incredible feeling. So I don't know if that happens by April. You know, I'm not going to rush it just to just to do it. I want to make sure that my body can can do it. Uh, but at some point, half marathon. I, I think I'm definitely capable of that in 2021. Uh, and if and if I can do it uh, by by uh, the Derby, then awesome. Then we really come full circle in the last three years. And then I've really overcame a lot of this shit. All of it. I've, I've overcome everything to this point. I really have to be sitting here with you now. Yeah, I have. A um, couple more. Eating and drinking. No food binges that last three days or more. A lot of times when I eat food and it's just junk food and it becomes a binge, it's because I feel really shitty and I'm just 
That's the only way that I'm going to get happiness is if I'm eating foods that I think are going to make me happy. But then when you pig out on junk food and candy, you feel like shit. So then you're like just fat, you're fatter, and you don't feel good, and then you have all the same problems. Same thing as like when you when you get high or use drugs to th- or, or like alcohol to, to escape your problems. It's like, no, now you still got the same problems. You're just drunk or high. Like now my stomach hurts and I'm... I'm not going to go into the details of it, but I feel very uncomfortable, okay? And so no food binges that last three days or more. And honestly, I can sit here, guys, and say that I haven't binged. I haven't had a, a, a binge on food that's lasted more than a day, like, and been in that place where I'm like, I need, I, I want to go eat food. I want to eat, like, Chick-fil-A for lunch. I'm going to go have five guys for dinner, wake up the next day, have B-dubs, have a pizza, and then it's Sunday, and now I'm eating, like, all kinds of different, like, no, 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 no. I haven't done that. In seven months, I feel really good about that. It's a big change for me because that's basically how I spent all of fucking May. And if it does get to that point, I just, no food binges that last three days or more. Let's, 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 let's shoot for that, you know? Feel things and from now and every now and then have some kind of a meal that makes you feel better, but like know that in the long run it doesn't make you feel better. It doesn't make me feel better, even though I think it will, but it never does. So just remember that. Um, only three meals out per week, and I have out in quotation marks, because like if I get like Zoe's, I'll go to Zoe's Kitchen and I'll get like the chicken roll-ups. Like, yeah, that's a meal that I'm eating out, but it's a healthy meal, you know? And, and if I go to Subway and get like a, um, you know, a turkey and, and, and cheese sub, like it's around like... You know, I think it's like, it's it's under a thousand calories. I think it's like around 800 calories. And if I eat a light lunch and I'm not eating a bunch of junk food or drinking calories, then then that's doable. You know what I mean? Like it, it all comes, it really all comes down to calories in versus calories out and what you're burning and what you're putting into your body. So like, but I don't want to spend that much money uh, on on meals out. I want to continue buying groceries and making meals like I have been doing this year. And so... Three meals out per week, you know, could be Chick-fil-A. It also could be like Zoe's, but I don't want to exceed three times in a week. No blackouts. I want to get, I, I, I want to try to go this entire year, 2021, without drinking to excess and blacking out. You know, and like now when I drink, it's like I can just have two drinks and chill. For a couple years there, it wasn't like that. If I started going, then I was going all night. And like the Energizer Bunny, I just keep on fucking drumming, baby. But I'm not in that mode anymore. I, I've moved past that. I'm in a much better place. The temptation to always, once you start, keep going will will be there. But you know, it's like for in college, like I was never like that. For for a lot of times when I was on top of my shit, I had a really healthy relationship with alcohol, where I was usually the one that was like good at the end of the night, telling everybody else what happened and filling in the gaps, the storyteller, right? I want to get back to that. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to black out. I don't want to not remember things. I don't want to drop my phone when I'm fucked up or do something dumb or say something dumb. It's like fuck that. That's self defeating, you know. I'm not going to do that anymore. No blackouts this year. Uh, and then financially, I'd like to, uh, listen, I haven't, listen, I, I still don't even have healthcare, okay? Like, I'm on Medicaid. Um, and saving money for me, like, I'm, I'm making some more money now, and the money will come. The money will come if the content is good enough. But I'd like to save up, 
I have I, I have a little bit of savings, but like I'd like to have an emergency fund of a thousand dollars and maybe put like a hundred dollars or maybe a little bit more, um, you know, or, or or maybe a little bit less, whatever. $100 a month into an emergency fund and then by the end of the year have like $1,200 that if there's an emergency, I've got some savings. I've got, uh, you know, something, a rainy day fund. I'd like to have that for a sense of security and keep paying off my student loans. So those are my goals for 2021. And um, obviously, I have a lot more for the podcast alone. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just like, I put some numbers on there, like, yeah, a thousand page likes or over a hundred people an episode. One day I'm going to look back and laugh that they were ever that low, but that's like where I have to start, right? And, um, you know, it's like, I don't get too caught up in how many people listen week in and week out because I know that the content is good. I know that it's real. And I know that when people finally do kind of like figure it out, and this blows up, just like any of those other shows on Netflix that you see where everybody's literally talking about 13 Reasons Why or You or Tiger King. It's like once something blows up, then you want them to, to like find it. And a lot of people, so the numbers will come. The audience, the larger audience will come as I continue to execute my vision for this show and what I'm doing. But I don't get worried about that nor bogged down by that or discouraged by that because I know that if I build it, people will come. And I know that when that day comes, when it does go and people start to go back and listen to other episodes, it's going to be quality from start to finish. You know, the way that I've told Uber stories has kind of changed and I've tinkered with it. And now I've got it down to a really good formula. So people that listen to like episodes, you know, part three and four and five, like it sounds a little bit different and there's a little bit less structure because I was just feeling it out in the beginning. But now that I've got like my, my shit together, when people, if it's a year from now, if it's two years from now, if it's never, I don't know, but like people will go back and they'll listen to it. And that's, that's what'll help blow this thing up is because it's good. It's real. I'm good enough. I definitely work hard enough. And I'm the only one that's going to be able to do this for myself. And, and I'm going to do it because I'm a captain, goddammit. And I love the fucking game. I love the fucking game. I love you if you made it this far, almost three and a half hours deep. I hope that you will set some goals for yourself in 2021. I hope that a lot of the stuff that you heard me talk about, it encourages you to, to want to open up to somebody. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to start a podcast with it. You know what I mean? I hope that you'll share with your your siblings or your best friends or your therapist or somebody that you really feel comfortable talking about stuff that's really hard to talk about. I hope that this encourages you and 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 helps you in doing that and feeling comfortable opening up. And I hope that if you've dealt with any of the things that I've talked about in this episode that you know, it it, it helps give you some perspective. Oh yeah, I'm not alone. You know, I am good enough. You know, maybe these people didn't want me, but fine. I don't need them. You know, it's, it's, it's a beautiful feeling. It's a beautiful feeling. So yeah, man, uh, I guess I'll, I'll go ahead and end with, uh, where I started this thing and, and which is like the number one thing that, that, uh, I, I wish for you in 2021 is for you to just be 
Just be. Be anything. Be you. Be more. Be yourself. Be a great husband. Be a great wife. Be a great boss. Be a great teammate, goddammit. Be the best version of yourself that you can be. But whatever you do, just fucking be, man. Just be. All right? And I want you to emancipate yourself. I want you to emancipate yourself from any toxic situation or relationship or work thing, whatever. Emancipate yourself. Free yourself of that bullshit. Free yourself from yourself. You know, if you defeat yourself on a regular basis, make that your goal. Hey, I'm not going to fuck myself over this year. (laughs) I hope that for you, you know, and I hope that for me. And that's what I'm going for. But emancipate yourself. Only good things are going to happen if you do. That is it for me. I am Ben Tompkins. That is a very way, that is a very long way of saying this is real talk and this is what we do. And I'll be back. I'll see you next year. Oh, dad joke. But yeah, I'll see you next year. Uber Stories Part 21. Dropping on 1-6. That's a Wednesday. I know you guys will be ready. And I'll talk to you then. Be well, my friends. Happy New Year. I am Ben Tompkins. That is Real Talk.